everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast, place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hanson. I'm joined by Jeff Marquiafava. That's me. Joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. And joined by a couple of viruses giving me a slight cold, so I apologize for my voice in this episode. It'll be deteriorating fast. Uh, but thank you all for joining us on this episode. This is a packed one. This thing is overflowing like you know when you get a good cupcake janet and it's just like the top is just like oozing out and it's like seeping into other cupcake holes i think we go to different bakeries yeah I don't, I don't but i can really. imagine that's what this episode sure. is that's exactly what this episode going is. to a bakery a cupcake bakery that overfills that's like that's like lesson one of like making a cupcake you can't overfill sure. those holes oh i meant Bad muffin business. Uh, it's completely different, but like, oh, you know how fine. muffins are all overflowing. <laughs> uh, on this episode, we're talking about predictions for 2024, something that we've wanted to do for a while now because we've been doing it every year and there hasn't been a good week. And this, we said, you know what? It's us. It happens to be the four of us this week. We got to do predictions. So we're squeezing it in. We're also looking back on our predictions from 2023, which are very fun to look at. Then we're going to talk about some big, juicy, meaty games, Jeffum. So get those teeth ready. We're talking about Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Rebirth. Oh boy, there's a what? lot to talk about with Rebirth. Uh, then we're going to talk about Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. One of the most interesting talkers of the year, I'd argue. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Enshrouded, the survival game. I'm excited to unpack that. Uh, Kyle, we should probably touch on Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth again. It's nice to check in on those games. I know you've been playing a lot of it. Yeah, I'm literally, I fought who I believe to be the end boss and died and it was like midnight so I had to like I gotta shut this down I can't be fighting this boss again. I got I got bad news though it's an RPG and so who you think is the final boss you still There's probably like got like 10 more, more hours yeah, yeah I I've already fought that guy like three mm. times so I I really truly think There's I'm at 10 the final more fights boss. yeah don't be an idiot dude Come on, don't be naive. <laughs> uh, we're also gonna be talking about the making of the last of us part two in the year 2024 thanks to grounded Two, the new documentary that came out that I'm fascinated by um, and then back half of the show we have some great questions from the community thanks to everybody for writing in over there on patreon and making this show immeasurably better each and every week if you're watching this if you're listening to this and you're saying this show sucks for a myriad of reasons number one they're not talking about foam stars they're not talking about persona 3 they're not talking about apple vision pro i beg of you stay tuned until next week because next week's episode we're going to be covering all those things and then we're going to be turning your freaking frown freaking upside down with that conversation <laughs> um janet do you remember our predictions episode from 2023 how could I forget? And yet, I don't know how leading the question is, <laughs> this question. <laughs> it's slightly leading. It's really fun to go back and look at what we were predicting. Some of us way off. Some of us pretty darn right. Uh, it's impressive uh, how a couple of us landed on these things. So, Jeff, and where should we start? How do you unpack everything we did right and wrong last year for our predictions episode? Oh, man. That's a tough one we should get the wrongs out of the way right like well okay here, here's just one. mix them mix them up okay here, here, here you go Kyle. here's here's one uh this is the thing we're gonna play clips from last year's episode which has the exact same cast on it and so if you're listening you might be saying what is happening right now here's the clue if there's an old-timey piano playing underneath it that means it's us from a year ago making our predictions about the year 2023 and if there's not piano that's very live and in person in your face. Um, Kyle, do you want to hear your first prediction from last year? Yeah, I I genuinely don't think I, I think I remember one, but yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear this. Yeah, All right, here we go. Kyle from last year, everybody. 
Hey, future Kyle. I hope you're doing good in 2024. I'm sorry you didn't get to play new Switch hardware last year. I know you really wanted to, but you didn't get new Switch hardware and you're still bummed about it. Sorry that happened to you. <laughs> that was the one I remembered. <laughs> do you accept your apology? Hell yeah, I do. I did not play new Switch hardware last year. I think that was a pretty safe one. I know there were a lot of rumors yeah. flying about Nintendo last year, but still, hey, a win's a win. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Stuff- I didn't put Switch hardware on my list at all this year. Just It's like, let's just don't even worry about it. Yeah, smart. I did this year. Oh, we're going to be unpacking that in a big way. Uh, yeah. Kyle, you also predicted Half-Life Alex will be coming to PSVR 2. I'm sorry. Uh, you what predicted the game that they announced last week? Metro Awakening. Me- that's close enough, right? I think. <laughs> Do I get actually, half a point for that? Have you squint? A yeah. Bit? Actually, fun fact: they're going to take a sticker at the assembly line and just put it over the name Metro Awakening. It's just going to say uh, Half-Life Alex and nobody Perfect. can do a thing legally about it. Um, you also predicted, this is absurd, Starfield was going to get delayed to 2024. Mm, well, sorry. should it have been? It's going to get, it's going to get worked on. I mean, still super solid game. Is I mean, we all thought it was going to be a technical nightmare, but does it feel like it came out last year. I mean, it's <laughs> a question. Uh, Janet, would you like to hear your Starfield prediction? Oh my god, yes. Okay, here <laughs> we go. So From last year. Uh, mine's kind of also in that Starfield AAA vein. I think it's a great game, but it's not the 90-plus game that Xbox needs it to be. I think this is going to come at like an 82, 84 yep. at best. Like yep. People yep. are going to like it, but I think they're still going to be waiting for that re- that big relief moment of what is Xbox's marquee experience. Can you imagine that wild time where last year we were so naive we were asking ourselves when is microsoft finally going to get a marketing experience on the xbox uh janet you guessed 82 or 84 for the starfield metacritic and the answer was 83 83 ladies i am available to hire on consulting (laughs) on your game which includes metacritic prediction scores baby i don't miss very impressive very impressive except Um, when i do you know just just take this one just take this one bit uh hey you know what on the not miss aspect janet you also predicted sailor moon and attack on titan would be coming to Fortnite, and attack on titan did come to Fortnite in april of 2023 so not bad not bad you also predicted janet a new mainline mario game announced I'm not going to call you a hero, but, you know, predicting Mario Wonder, that's solid. I think that's solid work. Oh, my gosh. I thought I would have nothing here today. So I think we should just pack in the show now. I feel good about this. Uh, You also predicted PlayStation will drop a disappointing multiplayer game. Oh. Which I don't... I can't think of a Sony first-party game for 23 that was like a bummer. None of their live service stuff is really out yet in a big way from that yeah. big push yet. Yeah. So and we're talking about Foam Stars next week. Yeah, and we're going to be foaming at the mouth about it. There's no doubt. I about have it. not touched Foam Stars to be clear. I, right. I don't have any opinion on it one way or another. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being mean for the joke. Everybody. Last of Us count? No, because it's. I was thinking like they'd put something out and yep. be like, nah. They yep. didn't really put anything out. I would say. Yeah, they heard your prediction and they were like, nope, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, Lasso's can't live up to it. Uh, this yeah. is an interesting one, Janet. You said. Tears of the Kingdom performance issues. And then I chimed in and said, yes, performance issues would be the main ding against Tears of the Kingdom. And there are slight performance issues in Tears of the Kingdom, no doubt about it. I don't think it's the main ding, though. I don't think it's the go-to so. talker, no. which is pretty impressive, I guess, in retrospect here. Uh, Jeffum, you old SOB. Uh, an show, I'm sure. You were an absolute coward. You said there will be more studio acquisitions from... You said more studio acquisitions. And then you narrowed it down to from companies you've never heard of. 
what? And then you specifically said Square Enix and Ubisoft will be purchased, which, you know, not so much. But hey, hey not bad. Well, obviously, obviously, you guilted me for the easy for the layup. Right. And then I, you know, then I was swinging for the fences. You got to do it. Pressure people to swing two for the and fences. three. Uh, you predicted that Link will die at the end of Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, so close. That would have been so good. Um, spoilers been good. for Tears of the Kingdom. Now I know yeah. Link doesn't die. That uh, was the big talking point. That was the bi- the main ding. <laughs> it was the funeral ding. Uh, and then, Jeff, um, this one is interesting. Here's your prediction. Every single AAA game is going to underperform this year. <laughs> What? Economic? That's a lot. That's a broad range. So Critically, even the games like Spider-Man Two and Star Wars Jedi Survivor, people are going to be like, "Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's going to get like the Horizon treatment that Horizon got last year of like, yeah, it's it's good, but it's just like you know, not not making a big splash in the bucket. So every AAA game gets banished to the Forbidden West and kind of meets that same fate. That's your prediction? Yeah. 2023. Hey, I got, I got, I got Starfield, right? Uh, yeah. And I got uh, Jedi Survivor. I feel like a little bit. I don't know. I that you're, you're sort of. I don't think. I think Jedi Survivor is because I hate Jedi Survivor. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's tough for one of the most beloved years in gaming ever. On fire though. No, no, it was. It didn't even make the two burning. The last game, embers were beginning from Tears of the Kingdom, and then by the time those came out, Baldur's Gate reignited them. (laughs) And I do think Spider Man Two. I think it fared better than a Forbidden West. Like I know there's some haters for Spider Man Two, but like that's that's it's such a good game. Um, Jeffem, you'd also predicted this. The ESA is either going to cancel E3 this year, or it's going to be so bad. That everyone's going to be like, this is it. This is the last year. It's dead after this. They officially dead. killed E3. Layup. Yeah. Still layup. Lay oh, okay. You're calling yourself a layup. I love it. You're, you as although, a although, to be fair, they at that point, they were still very much like, no, we know we skipped last year, but we're definitely doing it this year. So mm-hmm. yep, yep. I feel like anyone... Anyone knew the writing was on the ball. With okay, that that's fair. Uh, let's see. I was just swinging at every pitch. I guess Sony was going to buy a Sobo. Uh, that did not happen. This is not a Sobe. This is a Sobo, the Plague Tale Requiem people. I guess GTA 5 would be on phones and Switch. Absolutely not. I guess Chrono Trigger HD 2D would be announced. No, maybe this year. Uh, I guess NetEase will buy Ubisoft. No, I guess Disney was going to buy EA. No, although there was that story about how Bob Iger at Disney wanted to buy EA. So I consider that uh, 10% of a victory. I guessed that Dead Cells Return to Castlevania will be on people's goatee lists. Great game, but no. Uh, I guess that Compulsion Games will reveal their game in the summer and it'll be political and it'll be a big talker. Their game was South of Midnight with that teaser trailer. I don't think it was a big political firestorm of a no. game i guess star wars eclipse That's will be cool, canceled though. i was wrong there game game pass price increase cowardly but i got it right i'll take it <laughs> uh yeah. let's see immortals phoenix rising sequel announced no that was canceled in fact an elden ring tv show announced no nothing to be seen i guess a new metro game would be announced and it'll be the new high water mark for visuals and gaming a new game was announced in 2024, but I don't think the VR game is going to be the new high water mark in gaming. No. I guess uh, Netflix will sh- uh, shift away from games. Uh, not really. They're still, I guess, giving it their all. I did have this one, though. Uh, here's here's a flash from last year. Pikmin 4 will have Nintendo crossovers in it. Like, you're going to be going around. They're going to try and get you all excited for that thing by, like, you're picking up a 
corpse of Yoshi, some nonsense, and hauling him around the, the backyard. Um, or I just like, so. okay. What? I think that's a win. There is a lot of Nintendo crossovers. You're picking up like Game Boy Advance cartridges and like Zelda stuff and like Zelda music chimes. There's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, but that's stuff that was in Pikmin 2 and 3. Was like, it really? Yeah, you could you could pick up hardware and stuff in those other games. I, I, I thought you meant like Olimar could be in Samus's ship and stuff mm. like that. You know, like, I don't no, know. No, I meant the easy one that was right, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, or that like maybe it'd be a, at the forefront of marketing, which I would say right. wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah. Instead, right, you right. should have predicted a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would have been the yeah, of man. Who would have seen Ochi coming? Uh, Not only Ochi, but those little beady eyes. <laughs> yes. uh, let's see. Kyle, if Zelda got delayed at a 2024, you had to try to eat your own butt on air. Um, you, you <laughs> and everyone else can thank their lucky stars that that did yeah. not happen. Uh, um, I don't even know the logistics of that. I'm glad we didn't have to think about it. Uh, Kyle, you predicted a PS5 slim. That's correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Too bad I was still very under. I would love a smaller PS5. And when they showed that thing off, I was like, nope, that ain't it. <laughs> yeah. Try again in a couple of years. Uh, you also announced that there would be a ton of Metal Gear Solid games announced. Basically what they did for Silent Hill. They would do that for right. Metal Gear Solid and it would include a remake of three. Which was correct, but at the same time, that was rumored. I consider that no one was a coward. I did win. expect more, honestly. Like ha- we got the collection and we got three. I I thought there would be like yet another thing, like Twin Snakes is coming back, or right, you know, like right. just a bunch of Metal Gear announcements or something. So somewhat some credit there. Yeah, we did uh, rapid fire predictions. Uh, Jeffum, you correctly agreed that GTA Six would get a teaser trailer. Uh, Although, does that count as a teaser? I guess that was a teaser trailer. It feels just like a legit trailer. Is it called teaser? The video might be called teaser. Is it? I'd love to know. Uh, Janet, um, we asked where Starfield was going to be on the 210s. You guessed number 16, which is incorrect, but maybe on the mathematical version of the 210s that the community put together. It might be around that ballpark, actually. Uh, Kyle, I asked what the Mario Brothers movie was going to score on Rotten Tomatoes. You guessed an 83. Uh, it's a 59. Yeah, I was very optimistic. For you, that really yeah. you really were. You really were. Uh, also, Kyle, I asked what Final Fantasy 16 was going to score in Metacritic, uh, and you guessed an 88. It's an 87. So I, I count that as a win. Mm. I count that as a win. You Janet, Metacritic predictors right That's here. That's right. Yeah. I'll uh, see you at the consultant. Just not game. movies. <laughs> uh, this is I actually, actually have, uh, I have a Metacritic prediction. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about it, but I think Ooh. it's way off already. <laughs> you can change it. You haven't said it yet, dude. Well, yeah, yeah. No, now I want to hear it. It's a bonus one. Uh, also, I think this one is just interesting in retrospect for rapid fire stuff. This is from last year. Jeff Marquefava, will Assassin's yeah. Creed Mirage make the two tens? Uh, great question. Will it come out? Yes. God. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Lower 10. Lower 10. I'll say lower 10. Okay. Lower 10. Isn't that wild? Jeff Marquefava, like... And it didn't even, we listed like a hundred games that we liked this year. And we didn't even talk Mirage about isn't it. a bad game, you know, but like it didn't even come up oh. in that big list. I just didn't get to it. Did you guys play I it? I don't started remember. it. I, my big thing was I played the first hour of it and I was like, this is not bad, but it's a slow start. And then my Spider-Man 2 code arrived and yeah. it was the greatest <laughs> opening uh, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sorry, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you can't do it. Uh, all right. You're all ready for some. Hot predictions for 2024. And as Jeffem likes to say, these shouldn't even count as predictions because these are 100% going to happen. These right, are just... As we've all witnessed. Correct prognostications yeah. of what's going to happen in the year 2024. Who dares go first? 
I'll go first. We're 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 starting from like uh, what did you? How did you phrase it? I liked the phrasing. It was like least likely to most likely or most likely most to least likely, likely. Yeah, boldest to most cowardly to boldest. So we're okay. starting with the cowards. Okay, yeah, I have yeah, mine ordered yeah. by starting with cowardly. Uh, my my oh, number hang on, one hang on, is hang on, Kyle. Uh, you can't you can't start it yet. Um, oh, I can't. Um, apologies. Okay, great. I just want to make sure that this is really clear. Hang on. Okay, whenever you're ready, Kyle. You're putting a cowardly meter? No, I no, was no. literally thinking the same <laughs> joke, Kyle. What's going all right, on? All right, go for it, Kyle. All the platformers were just like mm-hmm. melded into one mind. Okay, Kyle's prediction. Here we go. Uh, Sucker Punch will announce Ghost of Tsushima 2. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that would be stupid. Again. Is that what you needed the extra? <laughs> yeah, just that stupid for? joke. I'm putting it under his... All right, sorry. That's... It'll make editing next year easier for you. It'll it. make me laugh next year. I promise it'll make me laugh next year. Um, okay, Kyle, sorry, what was your real prediction now? The prediction was, let me repeat myself without a jaunty piano underneath yeah. me, is that uh, Sucker Punch will announce Ghost of Tsushima 2. That's the most cowardly thing I've ever heard in my life. That's what, Yeah, I told okay, you. Okay, yeah. all right. Now's no, the time. Now's the time for it. You. But as opposed to a new game, yeah. you know, I think Sucker Punch is like happy, happy with the success of Tsushima, and yeah. that's what they're, they're going to keep going with that. I have a pure cowardly option, but it's also a downer. Does anyone want to hear it? Or should sure. we skip it? We're okay. going to. I think I can predict your prediction. <laughs> yeah. Is it just more layoffs? Yeah. But it's huge layoffs at Rock City. Like I feel like we're months away oh, from, sure. and it'll be a hundred people laid off. But that's that's gross to even predict. So I apologize for even throwing it out there. But on the cowardly end of the spectrum, I feel like that's it's a matter of time until we do we hit that headline in the news. How, how dare you bring us down? Yeah. Uh, for my prediction, <clears throat> my cowardly layup uh, is that. <sighs> Okay, I'm saying Embracer implodes. You could argue it continues to implode. I feel like beyond layoffs, they're going to shut down a bunch of studios and sell off a bunch of their portfolio. Uh, Gearbox? Getting Gearbox, off. I think, is already up for sale at this point. There were rumors that they were floating the idea of yeah. selling it. I think Gear- Gearbox, I think they're going to... I think they're going to try and uh, get rid of Asmodee on the board game side. Ooh. Um, I, think, I think it's... I think we're going to see many more Embracer headlines over the next. You're a coward, but correct. Uh, <laughs> Janet, you got one? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, a triple A game comes to Apple Vision Pro. Oh. Hmm. So uh, can we talk about like, Death Stranding and Apple Vision Pro? Like that would count? Yeah, that's like literally what I thought of. Even though I don't think it needs to be that. It's just the reason I thought of Death Stranding is I was thinking of that vein of AAA getting into other platforms. Like, they just had the mobile release of that game. Had, like, yep, the Mac version. Yep. Somebody's got to come through on the Apple Vision Pro. Like, its gaming library is very, very tiny. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like somebody's going to bring their game on okay. over. Okay, okay. I sure. don't think Kojima Productions cares about VR, though. Even Yeah, I'm not saying even, it would be that. that. I was just thinking of, like, okay. industry trends. Like, okay, like, we're seeing some people pop into mobile, pop into VR. This is a new product. I'm sure Apple is Ooh. trying to get somebody over to put something on there, you know? Yeah. What, what about Resident Evil 4 Remake? Hmm. That'd be interesting. I mean, it's kind of languishing on PSVR 2. then again, there's they no... have a pretty good relationship with Capcom. There's no controller. Like, literally... You can, uh, you can sync yeah. a controller to it. Yeah, but still... Uh, like, it's like a PlayStation <laughs> controller. I love right? that follow. I think that's actually that's such a valid response. Actually, I'm, I'm not even going to be upset. But yeah, like Janet, right? Like point. it's like a play, like a Bluetooth controller, right? Like not yeah. like you can't like attach one of these to your vision. Not to my knowledge, right? no. I yeah, think okay. it has to be a yeah. traditional controller. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, let's see. I, I've got one. 
And here's the thing. I don't even know the definition of the word coward because all of mine are swinging, swinging for the fences, just like real brave people. The bravest people on earth are baseball players, as I always say. So get ready for the crack of this bat. Uh, <laughs> movies are announced for both GTA and Call of Duty adaptations. And it's one of those like confusing, you know, studio exec in a mm-hmm. conference call mentions that there's a Call of Duty movie in production. One of those just seeping out uh like a it's interesting fart that is wants. one of those why it doesn't exist already kind of things it is weird right, right? especially call of duty yeah gta i can kind of understand well they were going to um, make that one back in the day with eminem or whatever there were those rumors right uh but then i guess he made eight mile instead um also kind of on that note so you know it's been a while we should all rewatch eight mile as a group new show plus we watch eight mile I will um, say there's um, a sex scene in that movie that, in my mind, it wasn't that long of a scene, but then I rewatched it and was like, guess I always saw the film cut. This is a lot of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, and then I like looked at my watch. I'm like, we're st- still here. I'm like, Were you watching it with your bath. parents that second no, time? I was, the first time you actually, watched it alone, the second time with your parents? <laughs> no, I was actually watching it with Isaiah, but before we started dating. So it was just, it was super, Ooh. the vibes were so oh, yeah. not good. And that's um, where the idea came from. Like, we could be dating right now. <laughs> Thanks, Eminem. Yeah, why are we watching 8 Mile for? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'd like to leave this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, here's an offer <laughs> for you. Uh, also, on the movie front, the Borderlands movie will come out and make everybody pause on the overall idea of doing game adaptations because it will not be well-received. There will be mm-hmm. think pieces about... Sh- should we still be making video game adaptations based on the release of the Borderlands film? That is my bold prediction. I don't know, but then they'll just they'll just point behind their head to the Mario box office and be like, right. what are you talking about? It's <laughs> obvious, you guys. And Uncharted is a new film franchise. It's a juggernaut. Uh, who's got one? Lob them out there, man. Do we do we have an order? Uh, have we I don't know. Order? Yeah. <clears throat> I guess whatever. go back to Kyle. Okay. Or not. <laughs> um, my second, slightly less cowardly one. It's tricky. I haven't watched um, the Last of Us documentary, but I know he kind of at least mentions the idea of Last of Us 3, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But my prediction is that Naughty Dog will officially announce a new game that isn't The Last of Us. There That's, will be a new mm. non-Last of Us Naughty Dog. You're game in a coward alley. He says in the documentary where he says, like, he says, hey, our next game is going to be not Last of Us Part 3. Did he? Well, see, I didn't want. I didn't know so, that. So that's the headline that people ran with. Specifically, he says, "I have an idea for Last of Us Part Three, but it's just a concept at this moment, and I haven't yeah. worked out the story yet. Meaning, it's like very far away." Which would but imply he never said. Did he say he like, doesn't we're say something else that isn't? Last they have of said us. they're making single player uh, games, plural, and so that would imply that. I mean, since Last of Us Part Two came out in 2020, I would have to imagine there's a team that is. Working on something more than the remaster, and they still might not announce it though this year. I think it's a valid prediction. Okay. Though. Also, I didn't know all those details. I know. Hey, so hey you you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Thank you. Um, uh, here's one. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies will get a remake. EA looking through their library. It's wild. They have not released a remake again. I've been screaming at it for years. Everybody, it's what? Everybody I know and that you know would buy this game on Switch if they released Plants vs. Zombies 1 on Switch. It's a, it's, it's, it's such wild a that they haven't made a bookworm mobile <laughs> remake in like the last 20 years. Right. It you is. know how much money I would spend on that? Yep. Or just give me... $1.99 yep. at least. <laughs> just give me Doesn't good, clean, bejeweled blitz on my phone. One that isn't just God. broken or bejeweled stars what are they garbage. they They're blowing it. They're blowing oh, PopGap. Two things. I mean, Apple Arcade seems like like just ripe for that, right? All those like yeah. Jetpack Joyride Plus yeah. all ends yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Plants vs. Zombies 3 is is officially announced, right? It's like coming later this year. It's it's one of those things that it was already released in like New Zealand and then they like rebooted it. It's the most right, confusing okay. path. Um, it was technically released like two years ago in New Zealand, but now they just like relaunched a new version of Plants vs. Zombies 3. Like that that path right. is wild. Okay, that's yeah, I wasn't sure how how that worked exactly. But yeah, yeah. it would be nice to get. I, I would like that. Yeah, you're right. I would totally love that on Switch. Just play the a version of the original. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's a lame one that you can mock me for. <laughs> Love it. Switch 2 comes out. It, this isn't for just this year, but I'm going to predict now, we can talk about it in 10 years, that it's going to be Nintendo's best-selling console of all time. Mm. Surpassing the Wii. Mark it down. No, the Switch has already wow. surpassed the Wii. The Switch did already? Yeah. Surpassing the Switch <laughs> wow. and the Wii combined. Jesus Christ. This Wii? <laughs> That's perfect. All right. It's unsworn yeah. of. But um, mine's the opposite. I don't think they have a, no, a new. There is no new Nintendo console is my prediction. Whoa. In 2024. Okay. Not even announce it? That My prediction is that there's just not It's not out. released. Okay. That's good. That's okay. good. Okay. Um, kind of gives me a little bit of space to breathe. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yep. I want to go through Switch 2 stuff a little bit more in a bit, but I have I have a couple for the Switch 2. Uh, Switch 2 has a gimmick that is already largely forgotten by January of 2025. <laughs> <laughs> What's the gimmick? I know why. I mean, yeah. Yeah, come on, K Rumble. Come on. Uh, 4K Rumble. 4K Rumble. Yeah, it's <laughs> 4K Rumble. Uh, it's, it's something with like... Uh, it's compatible with something. Uh, I, I can't come up with something on, my, on this spot. It's got a, a fold-out uh, cigarette lighter. You're, yeah, you you're stand right. on it, and it's a scale. Smoking's coming back, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your new Nintendo console. Uh, also, my prediction is it will not be a wild success, and it'll have the exact same Wii U level of confusion for people. No. Oh, no, man. They don't I don't think they're going to mess again. it up again. I don't think so. I think they can't. If they call it something... It's a classic conundrum. If this called something close to the Switch, they're going to get Marketplace confusion, and they can't differentiate so much from the Switch because it's the best-selling thing in a long time for them. I, they're completely hosed. I think no matter what they do, it's going to be some I, real Marketplace confusion. I was waffling back and forth on saying it's going to be the best-selling or the worst-selling for <laughs> those mark very of any reasons. Good prediction, yeah. <laughs> but I figured, like, I don't think they'll screw it up. I'll, I think they'll just make it more powerful and everybody who loved this, and, and I thought, like, it's Nintendo fans. Like, it's not going to be a flop. Everybody's going to go out and buy that thing again. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We've covered, we've covered both ends of the spectrum. We're totally That safe. means it's going to be in the middle uh, and just kind of middling. Uh, I do have another uh, Switch 2 prediction. Contrary to everybody's assumed uh, common knowledge, no Mario Kart 9 at the launch of the Switch 2. I think everyone's just like, well, of course it's going to be there. It makes total sense, but when was the last time Nintendo did something that made total sense? Exactly. It will not be there. I like where your head's at. Thank you, You Janet. you got to think what anyone else would do, and you do the opposite. That's right. (laughs) Very Costanza. Absolutely. Genuinely, though, if they were working on Mario Kart 9 and they were like, it's going to take us like three years, they should be like, then we will delay the new console three years. (laughs) You know, like, honestly. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Um, Does anybody else have Switch 2 ones? Sorry, Leo just texted me. Hey, man, 4K Rumble is really funny. <laughs> Damn it, Leo. <laughs> Thank you, Don't Leo. Podcast, you coward. Break the layout. We dare you. Uh, 
Leo in the chat also says Nintendo doesn't repeat mistakes. The only exception is every single one they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a Nintendo one that's not a, necessarily a Switch one. Is that good? Yeah, love it. Um, Metroid Prime 4 will release this year, and the time between its proper reveal and release will be, like, very short. Mm, okay. Like, it'll mm. be like, hey, here's a trailer for Metroid Prime 4, and guess what? You're playing it in two months or something yeah. like that. Uh, I've got a one-upper, Kyle. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, or just another one related to that. My prediction, Metroid Prime 4 is a game for 2025 exclusively for the Nintendo Switch, not the Switch 2. I think it's going to get the Samus Returns treatment on 3DS, and everyone's just being like, what? Why now? You're setting up for failure? That's my my bold prediction. Um, I'm going to go with Fortnite makes a legally distinct lethal company or phasmophobia, like one of those multiplayer (gasps) style games. That's good. That is good. Yeah, that's correct, Janet. Congratulations. I think they will do this. I don't know if they'll do it this year, but my prediction is this year just because... Yep. That's what the show is about, <laughs> but I yep. do think that's that's got to yeah. be in the pipeline. I think, yeah, this yeah. year would be. I mean, I feel like they're still focused on the other handful, yeah. right? The Lego the and stuff like that. They still got to get instruments for Guitar Hero or whatever. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, I predict that Splitgate will return in 2024 and will dominate. They'll relaunch it at the Summer Game Fest. Do you remember this game that was Halo with portals? Yeah, yeah. And it was really good, oh, yeah. and it, everyone was playing it for a little while, and it was free to play. And they said, "We're we're going on ice. We'll come back when we're ready for the big future of Splitgate." I think this is the year, and everyone's going to be like, "Wait, this game rules!" And it's going to crush it. That's a good one. Thanks, nice. man. Proud of you. Uh, I have a, a completely. <clears throat> well, this one I just wrote down: Starfield Redemption question um, mark. And uh, but I'll I'll spice it up, and I'll say uh, this year. Starfield will will break its its whatever its max concurrent players on Steam is. They're going to climb back up that hill and they're going to have more than ever before this year. They'll okay. add user mods to it, um, you know, keep updating it and and by the end of the year, they're going to they're they're on the they're on the uh, cyberpunk trajectory okay. except shortened down into one year because it has to happen in 2020. And we're all going to come And the game was back. functional where Cyberpunk had to yeah. get it up. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And we'll all apologize to Jeffem. We'll go to his house and grovel for mercy because Starfield's going to no. be so good. I think I'm I'll be sorry. busy that day. Yeah, actually, I got something <laughs> pretty busy. Oh, wow. What day is it? I have something. <laughs> uh, I got one. Jeff Keighley will get somebody else to host the Game Awards. No way. It's my prediction. Absolutely <laughs> not. Is he oh. die? Is 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 the other half of this prediction that Jeff Keeley is on his deathbed and therefore can't do it himself? Your stumble is actually correct. It'll be somebody named uh, Kelly Jeff. Uh, it'll be okay. Jeff Keeley in a wig and dress, but it'll be really hot and everyone will like it. What's the uh, Yoakum? God, I can't remember. Joaquin Magrin. Metal Gear Solid Five. Joaquin Magrin's like my favorite character in in video gaming. I think. <laughs> He should be like a fighter in Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> they should do something with him. He should, yeah, or just like a crossover. He's like available in Brawlhalla or something. Like there needs to be I some know. place for him. Or just a clothing option for Snake in uh, in Fortnite. You know, just one of the skins. Be fun. I feel like I don't know, these are all they're all of them are kind of the same. I'm gonna go with uh, we hear what Ben Studios next game is. Days AKA Gone, the folk? team that made uh, Days right. Gone, yes, yeah. uh, which was in 2019. We do know that they're working on. Um, their per- current project is a new IP, but we mm-hmm. haven't really heard anything about what it is, when to expect it. There's a gap in what PlayStation has going on at this exact moment. And I feel like they could they could show up and be like, 
we have something to share. Yep. And then that's where they say their game name. I'm not a marketer. It. Nope, that's good. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, I think close to Kyle's, I think Naughty Dog will show a teaser trailer for their new IP. And it's going to be a, a, a teaser trailer that's focusing on the open world. And it's going to be stylized and sci-fi. One planet, oh, sci-fi. but sci-fi. And it's going to have a stylized look to it. And it's going to be a bunch of like sweeping shots of the environment after the Naughty Dog logo pops up, right? And then it ends with like a shadowy look at the protagonist. And we don't know who it is yet. <laughs> this sounds like the attract screen of Jack 2. They might just air that. They're going to air that during open the world. Yeah, it is. Sci-fi. Well, they're they're going to sweep slower, though. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, know it's it is more very cinematic fast. that way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, if, got, there's, they got somewhere to be. That's flat screen. If Keely really wants a reaction from people at the Game Awards, that's what he should do. Is just like because people pop hard seeing that Naughty Dog logo, just like boot up the HD version of Jack Two and just play that, and then just be like, I just wanted to look at that again. I thought it was cool, but like the Naughty Dog phone logo fades in and everything. But it's not uh, going to be Keeley, so... That's right, that's right. That's right. Whoever it is, whoever it is. Kelly. Um, I got one here getting into the specific, which I know I know we like. I know you like, Ben. Um, Ember Lab, yeah. the Kenna Ooh, Bridge of Spirits developer, will announce its next game, and it will be a licensed title. It mm. will be based on some yes. popular license. Yes. It will not be an original game. It won't be a sequel to Kenna. It'll be a licensed game. I think that's an excellent prediction. I could see Disney reaching out to them for sure. Yeah. Uh, love it. I got one. You ready? I'm not really that interested in here. Okay. <laughs> uh, a major publisher or developer, you know, combo will try to cash in on the cozy game space uh, with a game. Like I'm saying like, like an EA or a Ubisoft will make mm-hmm. a bigger cozy game, possibly with animal collecting type. Like of, a Disney uh, Dreamlight Valley, endeavor. but from yes, like Ubisoft. Yeah. Now, Jeff, I'm, what is your name on our Patreon? Excuse me? Uh, Mr. Buttons wrote in from the community saying, my prediction for 2024 is that cozy games go AAA. <laughs> Same idea, but... There you go. Great minds. There's two of us. Great minds. I think you're it's right. It's got to happen. I think you're right. Ooh, is the Naughty Dog new IP a cozy game? Wouldn't that be oh, awesome? Oh my God, no. don't, don't <laughs> even bring that up to me. That'd be so much fun. That'd be fun. Oh, man. Anybody got one left? I know. Yeah, I got uh, my last one is Dragon's Dogma 2 becomes the quote unquote niche goatee pick. Yeah. And by niche, I mean um, like, yep. y'all know what I mean. It's like, Near there's Tomato. like those weirdos who are like, Alan Wake 2, goatee. And that's, yep. again, it's a great game, very popular. So I'm, <laughs> this is just to cover my bases. Like, I don't mean that, yeah, like, yeah. you know, y'all get, y'all get the vibes. Yep. Yep. I think that's correct. That's, uh, that's yeah, a great like one. the second, yeah, the, the cool, the cool pick. Yeah, you will cool be cool. Hits. The number two. You yeah, can just say, yeah, up. waypoint. It'll be waypoints, Goaty. You can just get the shorthand here, Janet. We all know we're going <laughs> hey, forward I, I, I roll with remap. I don't know what we, what you're talking about with waypoint. Oh, waypoint. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even remember what that is either. You're right. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I do think okay. there's a lot of excitement for it. Um, mm-hmm. from like dozens of people. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the same through. I was thinking the same thing, Janet. Um, and then I remembered it's probably going to be rebirth this year, but I feel like that's going to be the number two, like, like a dragon is going to be that second yeah. spot. Of, like, I feel the, like they're being that third. You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's gonna be, I think the goatee thing will be rebirth <laughs> and infinite wealth as like the top two conversations. And then off to the side, like the ra- the stuff people throw out, out that isn't like quote unquote obvious. I think that, that might mm. be in there. But. Yeah, Lost Crown will be in there maybe. Uh, Ooh, unfortunately, I don't think Lost Crown will be in there. Ooh. But I love yeah. that game. Uh, my prediction: Capcom will announce 
a Resident Evil Mercenaries roguelike game. Damn, they should. I know. I mean, I don't want to play it, but it should exist. <laughs> I agree. That's my feeling exactly. Get some yeah, Western studio to make it. Classic, you know, zipper strategy. Yeah, over there. that almost I, feels too smart for them, though. Okay, I think all right. Ember Lab it's is like available. it's like no, we're gonna we're gonna try and do a squad based multiplayer thing again that no one. <laughs> one wants, more but. time. One yeah. more. What time. was that game called? Raccoon City. Operation 2? Raccoon City. Operation Raccoon yeah. City Two. Finally, Fork yep. Two. Here we go. <laughs> and then Umbrella Core, right, was the other yeah. attempt at it. And then, oh right, God. I can't believe there were two. And then they had that like 4v1 like DM game that came with Resident Evil 3 remake. Like no one ever talks about it. It's so weird. How about this? Pal World will be the biggest gun game this year. Quote unquote. The biggest games with guns. I feel like I feel like shooters are going out the window and this is going to be the like peak popularity and interest from people. Call of Duty. So like it, over Call of Duty, <laughs> yeah. it would get like shooter of the year from reception wise, not sales maybe, but okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. You don't Guys, know. You don't look, know. <laughs> we're swinging here. It's bottom of the ninth. We got nothing left. Sure. They put me okay. up to the plate. No, this yeah. is when we need uh, you. What do you mean? I know. This, <laughs> like, this is, is when. This, this is, is the when best you have I got. To come through. What do you mean? <laughs> He's just walking out on yeah. the plate and just kind of lying down and taking a nap. I think was the equivalent <laughs> there. What are you gonna do? Well, then you can't see the the plate, and the ball goes over, and it's like the ump's just like I don't know, he's laying on it. I don't know. Nothing in the rule book that you can't take a nap during baseball. The strike box is way smaller (laughs) if you're horizontal. Uh, Here's one. um, My, I guess my last one. I don't know. Um, Tears of the Kingdom will not get DLC as promised. No DLC for Tears of the Kingdom, but it will get some kind of bizarre update. That yes. no one really wants. Yes. Uh, but we won't be mad about it. We would have rather had DLC, but it's going to get like Labo VR or something like good, that. You know, good. where it's like, oh, sure. Okay. I mean, we. I think we would have liked DLC, but okay. Thank you. Yep. That's I love a great that. Prediction. I love that. That's, I, good. that's right up there with like the fake easy mode they added to Dread. Like if you have an amiibo every two days, you can drop like an ounce of health. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you like it? Aren't you happy with us now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right, yeah, this yeah, is a, an old segment that we have every year, and it's called Ready to Pop. I know. Uh, ready to Pop, everybody. These are the studios that... You could have soundboarded that? <laughs> like, you had to do that organically? Why? When I could spit into a microphone, Janet. Uh, all right, these studios, we don't know what they're working on, and it's suspicious. They are certainly past due uh, for revealing what they're working on. Let me know if you all got some that are in here. Kyle? Asking online, it seems like Playdead is up there. Hmm. The follow-up to Inside, yeah, I mean, it has been quiet. We know they're working on something. We've seen teases of it. We've seen, like, images. But they're just never going to be in any rush, you know? They're, like, government-funded, and they, you know, don't really have to do it. They can take their time, you know? This is when Kyle comes down on socialism hard. Uh, <laughs> hey, also- if it's making games like that, I think... You know what, guys? I think we should integrate it over here in the United States. We should support the arts and fund uh, game developers. Uh, also, Bluepoint, another huge one uh, that they've been quiet since uh, Demon Souls. Realistically, they said oh. they're working on a new IP, something new over there. It's not a remake. I'm so curious to see what that remake studio, the Kings of Remakes, actually uh, tackle next for the big game. Uh, Naughty Dog, obviously in the Sony camp. Uh, they are very due, as we talked about before. Um, Young Horses, Bugsnax developers. Yeah. It's been a while. 2020? 
I believe. Flag's Axe, twenty twenty one. Had some I guess DLC. That is a while. Yeah. yeah, this year the DLC. Yep. Uh, Gen design, huge question. Uh, from Oeda, creator of Shadow the Colossus. They have been teasing something for a very long time. At the beginning of twenty twenty three, they're like, "You'll see some stuff this year," and then nothing. Um, the Mario team, the Mario Odyssey team, not the same team that made Mario Wonder. Um, this is Tokyo EAD. We don't know what they're working on yet. I'd imagine that's the launch game for the next Switch. Mm. Um, the Coalition, the next Gears game, or whatever the hell they're working on. Gears 5 was a while ago, folks. We don't know what Coalition's working on yet. Uh, Sony Bend, as Janet mentioned. Uh, Housemark eh, probably needs some more time, I think. It's, uh, Returnal wasn't that long ago. That's a bad one. It's stupid I included it, and I'm a bad boy. Um, Subset Games, um, developers of Into the Breach. They've been quiet since... 2018, you know, they had that well, update they did a while ago. the Apple Arcade ago. version last year. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or so Netflix, maybe, I'm sorry, the Netflix version. Yeah, so maybe they're small enough where that's keeping them super busy. Um, Id, Do Eternal, was a while ago as well. Uh, Giant Sparrow, they haven't made a game since Edith Finch, which rules, but was a long time ago. When you make the yeah. best game ever, you just, You're tired. you just walk away. That's it. Uh, Asobi, not Asobo, this is the Astrobot team. That's... Maybe my biggest question mark? I'm so curious to see what they do. Uh, and we brought it up last year too, but Ghost Town Games, the Overcooked developers. Yeah. What's going on over there? What's, what's happening? <laughs> you making Overcooked 3 or something new? I want to see it. Uh, let us know in the comments what studios we're missing for stuff that's, of course, ready to pop. Uh, you guys want some <laughs> rapid fire predictions? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, should I call on people like this is class or do you all just want to jump in? Hog I like being put on the spot. Uh, you yeah. like being called on? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what is the... Oh, shit. Now I'm rethinking this whole oh, thing. <laughs> okay. Kyle, uh, stand up in front of the class, please. We're turning all the lights on. Um, what is the... Oh, shit, New feature for Ghost of Tsushima 2. What'll make us oh. change our facial expression during the reaction stream where they reveal Ghost of Tsushima 2? Uh, it, there, there are big portions of the game that don't take place in Japan? It's just like cutting to like him in New York City. <laughs> York okay, okay. What year? What year is that? We would re- no, we would react that way. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeffum, will the most fan- oh some kind of flying device? Some kind of flying. That's device. That's the okay. correct answer. That's the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, Jeffum, will the most fantastical enemies in Indiana Jones and the Great Circle be fun to fight? Or by the end of the game, when you're fighting a bunch of supernatural demons, will you be like, all right, enough with these guys already? They will be as fun as every other enemy is to fight in the game. Okay, sure. Janet, is Phil Spencer still at Microsoft? Yes. Okay. Uh, Kyle, will a PSVR 2 game release that's as much of a swing from Sony as Horizon Call of the Mountain was? Will there be a production on that level? No. That is wild. Uh, Janet, Concord versus Contraband. Concord is Sony's multiplayer game. Contraband is Xbox's. They partnered with Avalanche Software, if you recall. What will be a higher-reviewed game? Sony's Concord or Microsoft's Contraband? Oh, my God. I don't know anything about either of these games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I was set up it's just the teaser trailers. Yeah, going solely just teaser trailers. names. Um, I guess higher scored Contraband. Incorrect. Because I think... Uh, oh, Actually, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Uh... Jeffum, the new Tomb Raider game looks uh, pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> Kyle, Fable is Microsoft's most successful game since? Uh, most successful successful game since 
Halo Infinite. Okay, Janet. Know. That's I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going off Halo Infinite actually Since having a last really game? strong launch and then petering off. Yeah, but now it seems like the community is happy with it. I hear people saying that, and I'm always fascinated by that take. Um, Janet, Princess Peach Showtime. Mm-hmm. Will it be to the level of Kirby Forgotten Land where we all go, actually, no, this rules? No, because Kirby's always been good and Peach has never had a good game. <laughs> She's only had one. Give her a chance. And how was it? <laughs> it was fine. How do you uh, think this will be? Like, Kirby, Kirby, put some respect on Kirby's name. Like, I went into okay. that being like, this could bang for sure. Like, wow. Kirby's had bangers. Like, no doubt. No doubt. Don't sleep on the Kirby catalog. All I right. know that's a mixed bag, but like, how how dare you ask me this question? You're right. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, she's covered in pink things, we should point out for the video viewers. Uh, Jeff, um, uh, will Hades 2 be in the 210s? Or will we say, let's yes. wait, let's wait to talk about it? No, it'll be on there. Okay. Uh, Are you asking if it's going to release in 2024? Or just if, right? I guess that's, that a doof, that's a twofer, I suppose. Uh, Kyle, will Pal World be the year's surprise hit by a mile? No, it, it's already petering off. It's already... Will anything already get close to it for like the that. surprise hit of 2024 is it's Power World number one by a mile is the question. No, I, I don't think so. I think fa- I think Power's... No, I mean, I don't, I don't know. This is rapid fire. I'm talking too much, but no. I, I think by the end of the year, we're going to be like, oh yeah, Power World. I forgot I mean, about that. Yeah, it'll have a smaller community, but keep in mind, it hit the second most played game ever on Steam. You think yeah, something's going to... what do you gonna... mean by hit? And you guys were all mocking me for saying it was going to be the biggest gun <laughs> because game. Because the guns are like the least interesting part of Battle World, if we're being honest here, dude. I just, I don't think it's going to be on like top 10 lists or anything. I don't, sales I, I wise. Think it's, sales wise. I mean, yeah, it already is. That, that's yeah, just like, that's math. Like it. Okay, so, I guess, so, so, so you've now, yes, you've now yes, completely yes. turned on Ben where it's like, we're <laughs> asking the questions now. Yeah. I guess when you say hit, I mean, it's just going to be like at the end of the year, we're ta- we're having game of the year discussions hit. and power is totally part of that. Or, or if you're talking like sales, then yeah, there's no question because okay. A, it sold a bajillion copies and B, we don't get to see sales of other games. The fact that it's a Steam game is the only reason we know why it's selling and why it's being played so much. There we go. As clear as possible. Uh, Thank you. Janet, is there a universe where Star Wars Outlaws is released in 2024? Is there a universe? Yes, because there's a million universes. You're okay. asking about this the one, multiverse. I'm guessing. I'm it's a say, galaxy far, Are you far guys away. all under oath? <laughs> What's I'm going to say... Um, You're gonna play this back to us next year. We want to make sure we sound I, cool. I need to ask another question though, because yeah. I'm just we're just cheating this rapid fire thing. Did they say it was this year, or did they just say like they did? What have they? They said, they said this year. Yep. Yeah, I think it releases this year. Okay. Wow. Uh, Jeffum, will Joanna Dark be as cool as Microsoft wants her to be in the next trailer for Perfect Dark? As cool as Microsoft yes. wants her to be. <laughs> yes. Um, no. Okay. Kyle, will I like Sandland? Uh, no. Okay. I think you'll, you'll like the property, but not the game. Okay. Kyle, will we see Capcom Stigmata come back? Release? Will, will we see a trailer for Stigmata oh, in 2024? Um, no. No. Okay. I think there's going to be other bigger Capcom games this year, and and that will go up to 2025. Okay. This is the astronaut with the little girl game that we all remember yeah, very cool. distinctly. Um, Janet, at any point in Senua Saga Hellblade 2, we'll send you a smile. Yes. Yes. Jeff, will Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's tagline of the world will be saved, but will you make sense once we finish the game? <laughs> <laughs> will anything make sense 
If anything makes sense, it will be that tagline. Yes. Oh, okay. Kyle, I can't believe Jonathan Blow's new game makes puzzles out of sponges. Janet, is 2024 the new year of Bloodborne? No. Correct. Kyle, what will impress us about Metal Gear Solid Delta? What'll make us go like, you know, but that's pretty great. Uh, the performances. They already said they're going to be the same recordings from 2005. And we're still going to be impressed with them. I didn't know that. I assumed they were recording everything. <laughs> All right. No, that, that's fair. Uh, Jeff, will any of us remember Stellar Blade at the end of the year other than Jacob Geller? Yeah, we okay. will. All right. And now, of course, it's time for Rapid Fire. We all sound like geniuses. Guess the name of the Nintendo Switch 2. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Y'all got some names in the hopper? Yeah. Yeah. How many of these are? I wonder how many of these we're going to have that are the same that we just like, well, that was on my list. I'll <laughs> take it know. Know. Okay, well, I'll kick let's it off. get out of the way. N- Nintendo Switch 2. That's like obviously an option. It's an option. Do you think it's likely? About. Numerical 2. Okay. Likely? Likely, I would say no, because they've never done a numerical. Right. Uh, yeah. New Nintendo Switch is the dumbest option, but it's certainly an option. Super That's Switch. on my list. Oh, yeah. Super okay. Switch. Nintendo Super Switch. Switch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Switch confusion. Deluxe. Switch That's Deluxe. Cute. I was thinking Confusion as well, Janet. Nintendo Switch Power. Deluxe. Nintendo Power. Now, they Excellent. can't do it, I think, because of the magazine, but I feel like... No, they should do it because I, of the magazine. That's why they do it. I also don't think they're going to make a console that's finally, like, decently powerful because they never have they they're like no we're that gonna do something stop else. Yeah. but, also, but <laughs> if they did like if they just made a more powerful switch and they called the nintendo power that'd Janet, be pretty lit they can't because people are gonna go nintendo to the store. power switch that's <laughs> that sounds like an item i think in mario maker uh, they can't do it because they'll come up with multiple skews they'll have like the the black and the white skew and they can't have people go into a walmart and request one of those it's uncomfortable yeah um so see uh, s- switch with two eyes Okay, mm. good. I'm going to go the Nintendo Smooth. Ew. Okay. Was it an ew or an ooh? I need to know. Uh, ew. Okay. <laughs> 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 Why is about, it smooth? Is it just a smooth, like there's no edges to the console? Like what's the vibe here? It's like a circle? Uh, it's just, it smooths out the gameplay. It has some fancy stuff that makes frame rates better. No, you lost this. One of those. Switch GP. Switch GP. I like that. Just just put some just put some letters at the end. Of it. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. I like uh, that. That's my favorite one so far. I think. Uh, Nintendo Play. Okay. Boring, but kind of cool. Uh, Switch to T O O. Look, it's too much. <laughs> Switch as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Switch to. Okay. Oh, it says as well. Okay. Good. <laughs> oh man. Um, Nintendo Next. Like, what's next? We're what's okay. next? Like capital X. Is that when, in there? when the, the Switch code name was the NX X for a while? Is NX? Right? Yeah, yeah. And didn't Miyamoto? Didn't he say when we? Didn't we ask him in the rapid said, what was NX for? He said, didn't he? "No." He said, "I thought he said I don't know." I don't know. <laughs> I thought uh, <laughs> uh, the Nintendo Swell. Ooh. Okay, it sounds about, like Swole. Yeah, that's a better name. The Nintendo Swole. Uh, on the sm- the smooth the sw- the swell, my that I had was um, Nintendo Shift. That's good. That's good. So it's still it kind of sounds like yeah, Switch that's and really good. Implies, that's good. You know the sim- what the same word. I definitely Googled uh, thesaurus Switch to see to find that, and I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, really good. that's good. That's what they're doing I, in Nintendo. How about Nintendo? <laughs> yeah, right. Just how about bring the, out the thesaurus? That's all I do at Treehouse, right? Is just Google words th- th- thesaurus and find things, right? Yeah, and I play right. Luigi's Mansion's multiplayer mode so that people have someone to play with. 
the Nintendo Swatch. Swatch. <laughs> yep, that's good. Like, you, like the watch you watch brand? it. Okay. Yeah. That's not bad. Ooh. Maybe yeah, maybe that's the add-on. That's the cool add-on is a watch. Um I had Nintendo Split. I don't know what it's splitting, like splitting home versus That's good. Two screens split off. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's know. good. Each controller is is stuck to half the screen and then when you pull them apart Look, I know this have, is a it switches to a DS. Yeah. Kind of like double switch screen. DS. Not bad. I know this is a dirty word now in gaming, but Nintendo's going to reclaim it. The Nintendo glitch? No. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Jeff, that's a terrible guess. Uh, how about maybe, maybe uh, I know some of these are jokes. No. Some of these are genuine. Uh, Super Switch. I think we talked about that already, didn't we? We said that. Yeah, we said that. That was, oh, yeah, that was we, the we very serious. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. On the list of very serious ones, it will be called the Nintendo Feather. <laughs> I don't know, but it'll be super heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah how okay. about how about the switch flip? It's good, and you got I another like, screen like that. that flips. I like up. that a lot. I like that a lot. I I do like I like the idea of a switch follow up having a screen that folds in on itself. You know, just to like yeah. protect the screen. I always like that about DS. Yeah. Yep. I have Nintendo Gadget, which is terrible, but I don't know. Sometimes, honestly, it's so hard to think of these without knowing what their gimmick is. Like, I just right. know that all of their names minus. A couple like like the NES to the SNES like you can just argue this. Oh, it's better. Like most of them speak towards some type of like ethos that's core to the thing, and I don't know yeah. what that thing is going to be for this. Yeah. Well, my my other alternative Janet, was the Nintendo Squeeze, and I think there's going to mm. be some squeezing mechanism. Like a whole the controller is <laughs> just going to be a bop it at a certain it's point. Be squishy. Think, yeah. Uh, Nintendo Flash. Flash. I mean, I think. I wouldn't be surprised. I guess this would be more the one that I would think would be the like the OLED approach, right? We yeah. just call it Switch OLED, right? But just Nintendo Switch 4K. Oh, boy. Know? That sucks so bad, but yeah. Yep. I'm not saying these are good. No, no, no. It's appreciated. Uh, the Nintendo All or the Nintendo Stella. It's going to be my... It's a whole new word. Just a whole new word. No one's, no one's come up with Stella. How about... How about the Nintendo re-switch? Yeah. Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll For take maximum it. confusion. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and on the confusion front, I mean, Nintendo Switch U. Just make that same mistake <laughs> so, all over again. Oh, my gosh. I, it's impossible <laughs> for Nintendo not to choose one of these names. Like, we've listed every word. That's we true. have to be right. It's guaranteed. It is the most fun option. <sighs> all right. Guys, do we have one that we would, like, genuinely put money down on or like because I, like, I i super switch i i kind of like like it, it's it's a sequel to switch it, they don't have to call it switch 2 because i know they don't want to do that even though they should yeah it, it's nostalgic <clears throat> i feel like there's a potential for that one to be to actually i would say there's no way but i was so impressed that they actually called that collection 3d all-stars and like called back to their history with that and i'm like maybe they would yeah. be cheeky with a callback like a super nintendo callback with that it would it would clear things up. Yeah, it's more likely than Switch Two. I think so. Yeah, um, it should be Switch my, Two. Yeah, my own Nintendo Power, just because I That's think good. that also has that callback, and I think it could speak to what they're doing next if they are leaning into the power of the hardware. I just don't think they're going to because they never have. No, they're like we don't care about running these other games. We ran Mario. Yeah, we're gonna run them again. <laughs> And we even made Mario Run. Well, actually, I don't know who worked on that, but whatever, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious what the gimmick is, really. That's what I'm 
excited to see because it has to be something. Even if the something is that it's nothing. <laughs> like, it's got to, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's something there. I think it's going to be a super conservative upgrade. I think it's going to be a, a, a light gimmick that, again, is immediately forgotten. But, hey, should we stop talking about things that we don't know? <laughs> it sounds like That's podcast poison. The no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not when we dive into games. Because we got games to talk about that we've actually played. If you all are daring enough to talk about. Are you ready? Yes. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, everybody. We are here. And if you're watching the video version, uh, shout out to Game Informer for letting us use their footage from their new gameplay today. Check it out. Game Informer's YouTube channel. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, There was a big state of play that happened earlier this week that was like 20 minutes of just showing you what felt like the entire game. It was an alarming amount. Um, I can now finally fully... Too much, you think, Ben, for you? For me, yes. Would you have liked less? Yeah, Yeah. I definitely would have liked less. And look, there's a lot to unpack here. But um, also, just for setting the table, I mean, I teased it a while ago, but yeah, weeks ago, I went out to LA um, and got to play this game for the first four hours or so um, at a big uh, press event out there, which was a, a real hoot. Um, and then they also released the demo that Janet has checked out there on PS5. It's available for everybody. And the demo is chapter one, which is kind of the iconic clouds pass section. Uh, that's like roughly two hours long or so. So we did get to play that at, uh, the press event that I went to. Um, but then we also played a big chunk of chapter two, which is where it really opens up in a big way. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff to unpack, but yeah, Kyle, that state of play. There's, there's so much to talk about here. I'm, I'm so excited for Rebirth for a thousand different reasons. And, oh boy, the state of play, it's just, they showed stuff in there that's like some of my favorite stuff from this chunk of Final Fantasy VII. It's like, I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see that building. I didn't want to see what that's going to look like because I'm so looking forward to it. But that's on me for watching that state of play. So I fully accept all responsibility there in, in a big way. <laughs> um, and it's just, it gets to the point of like, you know, somebody like Janet, who I'm fascinated by for so many different reasons, but like somebody who enjoyed remake, you know, is like watching the state of play and it's like, they're showing so much stuff that's just like cutscenes from very clearly towards the end of the game, if not the end of the game. And it's like, is that selling one person more? I get them showing off the variety of like mini games and stuff, like almost in a Yakuza, like a dragon style way. Like that's going to be like, Jesus, the scope of this game is wild. And so even that, I don't like seeing as much as they showed, but I get it. But some of that cinematic stuff, it's like, God you're not selling anybody else by showing this little tease of what it looks like in I mean, this game. It is a game that just, I don't think really needs any more trailers, right? We've talked about the, with, yeah. that, with some movies sometimes, like you guys didn't need to make a trailer for, you know, this yeah, end Avengers game. end game, right? You exactly. could have just been like, yeah, just show up. It'll be cool. We promise. And like yep. rebirth has become one of those. I feel like at this point. Yeah. Uh, Janet, were you more intrigued by rebirth from that state of play? I guess that's mission accomplished for them, right? Um, no, but I'm already down to play it. Okay. And if I didn't play if I didn't get it through here, I still would be buying it. So I, I feel right. like there's, I mean, a multitude of things happening with things like game specific state of plays, because this conversation comes up a lot. Um, there you still got to be selling. If you're sick of them selling it, I think that means they did a good job selling it. Because Probably. That means it was so in your face. Because the thing is, like, sure, if you end up being like really hardcore following, you know, game information, then, yeah, you got it kind of like. I think back to like Stellar Blade where I'm like, oh, they finally showed this. Like they showed it for the first time, like this time ago. This th- Only I know that because I'm right. a nerd that watched all of these. Like yep. even yep. my partner who watches all of them forgot about that. Because if you're not like 
living and breathing games, media stuff all the time, like you're going to miss stuff. So I think the other facet too, you know, you asked like, did this sell me on it? It didn't sell me more on it. I mean, it looked cool and like the music was good and it's fun, but a part of what they're doing isn't just trying to get people excited about the game. They're trying to represent what their game is and capture the essence of what their game is. And I think for them, it probably did involve, you know, some of those cutscenes or a feeling of grandiosity that yeah. I'm not going to pick up on all that, but I think they obviously put this together, not just to create excitement, but to feel like this is a representation of the epic adventure that you're going to go on in our game. Yep. Yep. And I think that was mission accomplished, like seeing comments on Reddit and stuff that the takeaway was like, Jesus, there's so much here, um, which I guess that's what you want to impart with people. It's like this game is big. We're embracing more of an open uh, format, you know, calling it open world, I think is a little bit blurry. It's one of those large open region games, you know, but wide linear. Wide, it can still more, take off. It, that's <laughs> more of like off. a naughty dog. This, this is beyond wide linear. I think like, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition Wider might be a better <laughs> super fat linear-er. chocobo linear. Yeah. Linear-er, something like that. Yeah. Coin the term now, Ben, you can, you can do it. I guess I probably you. could, uh, but no, I, I, I hate even starting this discussion talking about like a negative aspect of it. Like, Oh, they showed too much. Like I, it's my own fault. I watched it. You know what I played, uh, was awesome. Genuinely, I mean, it's my favorite game ever, so I'm very in the bag for it, but like, playing the first four hours of this game made me emotional so many times, and there's a lot of avenues and factors for that, but one of the big ones is like, hey, believe it or not, everybody, the music in this game will rip your guts out. It's so goddamn <laughs> good. Put like, that on the back of the Even box. the opening, like, if you played the demo, you know what I'm talking about, like, it's like, they have the credits pop up on the screen. If you remember this, Janet, as you're like walking up this hill, uh, mountain, I guess specifically in clouds past and like just a remix of the overworld theme or like there's a new song that plays when like Tifa shows up for the first time in clouds past. It's just unbelievable. They have a like a fourth Yeehaw version Tifa. of what's that? Yeehaw Tifa. Yeehaw Tifa. She prefers oh, to be called her, her hat. Her signature cowboy, cowboy hat, hat. It's very cute. It's lovely. Um, yeah. So it just it. It rocked my world. Um, and they said in the state of play, this type of stuff that I really love, they played like teases of some of the soundtrack. And they said that there are more than 400 new pieces of music in this. Like that audio team is just unbelievable. And to get ready for a rebirth before I went on this trip to play it, I went back and listened to our full deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is available to our Patreon supporters at the $5 tier in your favorite podcast app. Um, Jeffem and Kyle... It was so fun to listen to that. It was so fun to like go back and capture that enthusiasm again, just hear us all gush about that game. Um, and Jeff, I don't know if you remember this. You said in that Deepest Dive, you said that it's the best soundtrack for a game by a mile. You said that about Remake. And I was like, I wonder if Jeff would even remember saying that. Like, if people remember how good that soundtrack was for Remake. I don't remember that. Okay. But I, I believe that I said it. Yeah, and a lot of other more controversial things. Um, Janet, I guess... Look, it was 2020, man. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to unpack this event uh, in, a, in a bigger, dorkier way, but did you have just highlights, thoughts from being a fan of Remake, jumping into the Clouds Pass section in the demo? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things that stood out, because I, I don't know, like a lot of the what is specifically different about this game has kind of like washed over me and like yep, I get gone it. in one ear, went out the other. Like I haven't really been... I feel like I've gotten a lot of information, but I haven't retained a lot, which is sure. why they did the state of play. They're like, remember this. Um, but parrying being something that you can just do. And I had to look up like, can you do that in the last game? And you need materia to be able to do that. And you don't 
I don't think you, unless you already equip the parry materia, maybe automatically. Yeah, and Cloud's stances are a little bit different, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of bearing the lead, but the wild thing is, since they start with Cloud's past for this, which is a, an awesome cold open to this game, is to throw us back in there, um, that idea that, like, you start playing as Sephiroth, which is such a cool idea. Like, the first playable character in Rebirth is Sephiroth, which is such an awesome thing. Like, he was... He was in your team in Cloud's Pass, like the whole flashback um, in the original, um, but he was not playable, if I'm remembering correctly. He just like does his moves and stuff in combat, but it's still awesome to see. But now it's like a whole moveset for Sephiroth, and it is freaking awesome, as you can imagine. Yeah, I um, that was like I took a couple of notes on like things, and that was one of the big things that stood out. But the composition also was like I wrote the composers were composing. Oh, <laughs> big time! Notes. Oh god. Um, but with Sephiroth, I said not this opening turning me into a, a Sephiroth apologist. Because yes, it is so fun to be Sephiroth, and I know he's like bad or whatever, and they're like Sephiroth, but like, dude, oh my god, like <laughs> the pop, like I think it's also such a fun thing to because this is what ostensibly like the beginning of the game more or less yep it is to get to introduce you with like having so much power without it feeling like i don't know there are a lot of games especially sequels it's like oh you're really great and then ooh, all your material fell into a lake and now you have to you know i don't know what they're gonna do in this in terms of progression but being able to kind of see i think the full extent of what does power look like in our world it was just like very like delicious to get to like dip into that and check it out and experiment out the gate without feeling like, Oh, well this is just something cool that you're going to like take away from me. Even if like, I don't know, I'm guessing that's only, I don't, I don't expect to be playing as him the entire time, but just to get a little bit of a taste was really exciting. No, it's so fun. And like Kyle, you know, in the deepest dive and a lot of the people at Janet, you mentioned it too. And it's totally fair of just like, even after finishing remake, they shove Sephiroth down your throat so hard, but it's totally fair if you haven't played the original just to have a sense of like, I, I don't know who this guy is and I don't know why he's evil. He looks evil, yeah. I oh, guess. That's where I was. Right. The end of that game, I was, I was, yeah, I think you listen back to that deepest dive. I know I was kind of underwhelmed by a lot of stuff happening in the end. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it will be nice to sort of spend some time with him because I, I played, I'm sorry, I forgot the name. Crisis the, the, yeah, Crisis Core, which he featured some in. And I was like, okay, now I'm kind of getting the, the the understanding of who Sephiroth is. Well, I think what's, what's I'm looking brilliant. forward to, to Rebirth, yeah. Yeah, you, you should be. Um, but I think what's awesome is like literally <laughs> the first yeah, two hours geez, of this yeah. game is just like, you want to know what's up with Sephiroth and why he's evil. It is the opening two hours of this game. It's basically Revenge of the Sith for Cloud's Pass. Like, it is so good. And they do such an amazing job in this of like setting up Sephiroth to be like a little bit of a hero, you know, like we never really had this much personality for Sephiroth and it's, it's in the same vein as we did a whole max spoilers about it of ever crisis. The mobile game has like Sephiroth's origin story. And that's just so fun to see like Sephiroth on his first mission. And he's like socially awkward and kind of a nice guy. And even by and large rebirth starts out because it's a flashback with Sephiroth as like a nice guy and you get to see what happens to him and it is so fun it was funny playing this because so much of the first game started to make sense and obviously like i don't know like the demo's pretty short but like spoilers for the demo if you get like them talking about not just like who sephiroth is like okay well he's like this great guy who sort of fell from grace here's his unraveling and like what sort of causes it yeah but even just like the shot like the like walking slowly as cloud, which also I'm like, okay, great. We got to limp, limp across There's the, a little the ground limp. again. It's a time I'm not just limping. Yeah, fair. Yeah, like which is 
just genuinely just not engage in gameplay. I get it's like, well, you have to feel the pain of the. It's like, dude, I don't know. And then it's like, nope, not that way. We barricade it with fire. It's like, all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this could have been a cutscene. <laughs> I get it. I well, get let's, it. Let's throw that to the side for a second. I'm like, oh, this is the fire flashback weird thing he had at the beginning of Seven Remake. Yes, that didn't yes. make sense. So my take is that so get, get the game, get this game, play the first chapter of the, this game, and then go back. And play all of the last game and then oh, play this game again. And then you'll actually understand because, you know, and obviously we can, you know, go on forever about like debating the pros and cons of their approach to seven remake. But it I don't think leaving you in the dark ends up being compelling because the only people really compelled are the people that have that understanding. So it ends up being like, I don't get it. This story seems kind of whack. And they're like, no, you don't know Aerith and her power in the live stream. Like, I, guess why I don't know that? Because you didn't give me any understanding of it yeah this i'm like oh my god the pieces are finally coming together and it yeah. i will say it is satisfying to as someone that came into seven remake cold to be like now we understand what's going on okay like this is That's and it's like thank you like i'm just really glad that they started off from a place of like hey a lot of your questions one a lot of your questions just got answered and two it gives me hope that more of my questions will be answered as I continue to play. Um, Probably not. Seven uh, Rebirth. The names are so weird. <laughs> no, but Janet, I love that. It's, such, it's like the machete cut. That's such an interesting idea yeah. of like, play Cloud's Past, then go back and play Remake. I think that's totally right. Because if you remember in Remake, like they throw Sephiroth at you so early. And he has that weird scene and like he meets you in an alley in chapter two. He's like, oh, Cloud, doing his classic Sephiroth stuff. But you see like burning buildings around him. And that's... Yeah, calling back to Cloud's Pass there. And so it's like, they're already kind of cementing that. I'm like, all right, if you're confused about why we were hinting at all these things, Rebirth and the opening of it will explain it all to you. But it's yeah, it's freaking awesome. The um, demo, the last game, then this game. Right. That's what you should, that's the order. That's that such a fun idea. It. Yep, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, so the overall uh, press event uh, was, was really fun and really bizarre. They had um, all the voice actors there. Um. And so it was the weirdest thing ever to be like playing the game and you're listening to the dialogue of these beloved characters, but then just around you in the room, you're hearing the characters also talk, but it was just the voice actors like talking about LA and if they've gone on any good Were trips recently. <laughs> no, but some of them like Barrett. Can you imagine? Barrett's voice actor is very loud and it just sounds like Barrett screaming across <laughs> the room as you're trying to play this game. But to be fair, they were all very nice and they all signed um, some stuff that we're going to have up for auction uh, for charity for the gift of the max stream uh, that'll be nice. coming up in November. And so I, there's, there's, we got all of them to sign this thing. Also Katase, the game's original director signed it and Hamaguchi, uh, this game's director signed it. And like, I don't know if there's going to be anything else that's signed by all of them. Cause they rarely get together as a big group. They were saying, uh, so look forward to that, everybody. And some more surprises on that front. But, uh, the voice actor for Barrett was very nice. He played football at the university of Minnesota, Kyle. So, Oh really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was nice. He was like super helpful and, and nice. Cause I told him it was for a charity based in Minneapolis. He's like, it's about time I give back to Minneapolis. I used to play football there. And he was going and all that stuff is very sweet. <laughs> Um, but it, it was a cool event overall. Like I got to, I got to meet Maximilian Dude. I've watched too, way too much of his Final Fantasy VII stuff, and his he is still. I got to kiss his ass in person for being top of the mountain when it comes to theorizing about the story for Rebirth. So it was fun to talk to him to be like, the people who know the answers to all of our questions are standing ten feet away from us right now, dude. Uh, it was a blast. Like Tim Gettys from Kind of Funny was there and stuff. So it was nice to spend more time with him and all that stuff. 
Um, but uh, it opens up into the open world stuff, right? Um, open region is probably a safer way to put it. Um, but I guess even before you get to that, I should point out, we made a, a video about it. It's on our YouTube channel. But uh, the first town you go to is a town called Calm, which is like a courtyard in the original game. It's a beautiful little courtyard. And just the level of detail they packed into this town for Rebirth is unbelievable. They made it into a huge town. And it just makes me think so much about, like, where are they going to be going with this stuff if this is the treatment they're giving to a town like Calm? Like, you know, the big thing is the war between Wutai and uh, Midgar, right? And it's very funny because, like, how does that war even work? Because Wutai is like a small... Like it's like five buildings, but now knowing how much they blew out calm, like when we eventually in the next game get to see Wu Tai, it's like if it's anywhere near the scale of Midgar, which it won't be, but it's going to be huge. Like it just makes me so excited for the level of detail into all of these environments. And so we made a video on our, on our YouTube channel. You can check it out where it's Sarah Podorsky and I uh, eavesdropping and all the gossip from the NPCs in calm because they're all just talking about fun Final Fantasy VII lore stuff and whatnot. So Calm is amazing, and it has such a good opening, too, where it's like, hey, Chapter 2, the premise is like, hey, Barrett gave you a day off, go enjoy. And so it's just like the best go-around, pal-around with your characters, kind of be reintroduced to them. And I won't spoil it specifically, but there's stuff that's really smart about, like, putting characters more at odds with each other than they were in the original in this part of the game and stuff. It just has a good group dynamic to it. And then even as you're going on your adventure, it's so fun because it has stuff like... In your head canon, this would be a fun aspect of Final Fantasy VII, but in this version now, it's like... They made the subtext text for like, hey, Tifa and Aerith and Cloud, there's a lot of relationship sexual tension swirling between the three of them. In general, this franchise is like one of the like not graphic horniest games I've ever played. Like, there's nothing, like, overtly, like, sexual about it, but it's very sexual. Like, the whole game, even this demo is sexual. Like With, well, like, Cloud and Sephiroth, big time. Yeah, like... Oh, yeah. I'm, like, praying they're not secretly brothers or something. Like, I don't know what the, I don't know who these people are. Um, but, yeah, like, the, you know, like, oh, you're practically panting. I'm excited. Like, it's just, like, whoa, it is, it calm is down. Hot. Yeah. It, like, there's just everything in this game is just sexual. It's just sexual tension in swords. Yep. <laughs> like that in sandwiches <laughs> in the beginning of the demo. Someone gives you a sandwich, which is, I don't know if you noticed, but the, I'm sure you, well, of course you noticed, but <laughs> as you keep eating the sandwiches, they have like fluff text on the side. And like, if you continue eating, they'll be like, you're completely stuffed. You won't be able to eat dinner now. And like, I just think little stuff like that is very cute. Like yes. where they normally write like materia acquired, like that small flavor of editorialization yep. that they're adding, I think creates a lot of, additional personality to a game that is inherently going to be a world that you have to kind of spend a lot of time in to get the most out of. Yeah. No, but I'm with you. there's so many fun details in there. There's like just lore details about like Shinra Mansion. We're like, oh my God, that's so cool. And just if you're a seven geek, seeing the library in the Shinra Mansion basement, genuine like well of emotion. So Jesus, wow. like just this environment, getting able to run around this is an absolute thrill. But oh, what I was talking about with like, um, you know, the sexual tension and all that stuff um, right. was that I feel lust for the composers of this game. No, it, it's like Barrett and Red at the start of Rebirth, they feel like the third wheel for the Tifa Aerith uh, cloud triumvirate. It's like they're just like banded together like, all right, we're the only two people here who aren't trying to F trouble, each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. it's just like a really <laughs> fun group dynamic and they just, they nail the tone. It is so fun. Like the little bits in the 
in this section that are just so much fun is like, oh, you get to hear Cloud regale us with Cloud's past. And then as a dork, the most fun thing ever is just like after Cloud's past, they're all going to sleep in this hotel in Calm and they're like arguing about who gets which bed. And like it's just like that type of just like character satisfying lighthearted stuff is what I loved about Remake and they're knocking out of the park with everything I've seen so far here. Um, Kyle, I'm very excited about this game. Would you really? like to hear okay. some cool. would you like to hear some more loves or some some concerns that I have? Let's concerns, man. We we've, we've heard about you crying in a basement. Okay. Uh, so. uh well, I don't got any, so let's move on. No. Uh, <laughs> no, here, here's here's my concern. That'd no. be so imagine that's true. <laughs> um I'm a little concerned about and everybody seems to be swallowing this uh in a big way. So maybe I'm out of line. But I think it's a little bit of like our first open world game. You know, I think there's a lot of talk from the developers in Square Enix of like, isn't this awesome? We made an environment that you can run around in. Yeah, we've been doing that for a long time. But because this is this team's first big stab at it, you know, I'm sure there's some forespoken developers that have crossed over and are working on this game now. But by and large, 15 was sure world right technically right <laughs> i guess car so. one, right yeah it's the, it's the car one all right but i the do the car one, yeah. i i was again i wanted to have more time in the in the open region that i was playing through i didn't see anything that was really blowing my mind it feels a little bit uh, you know you're you're unlocking towers and it's showing some points of interest like here's an enemy that's tougher than you can fight and there was like cool looking old like structures and stuff mm. that i could find it's like oh this is sweet and there's like nothing really in there and again i want to preface this did not have as much time as I wanted to in the open world. I was basically gunning it for the Mog House because I wanted to experience that. And that's like a little activity in the open world. I just If you're going into this expecting like this is going to be a beautiful open world game I, and progressing the, the whole genre forward, I haven't seen anything there yet. There's stuff like they want you to do side quests to build up your uh, party team level, which will unlock more abilities and duo moves and stuff like that. And it's stuff that they're trying to tie in and motivate you to do side quests and explore the open world to impact other areas like, oh, the bosses, the fights against the summons will be easier if you do side quests and stuff. But by and large, it just felt a little bit like, okay, I I don't think what I wanted from Rebirth is an open world crafting game. And it's, I think they're very proud of it. And that idea of like being able to run around and collect resources and craft high potions, not getting me excited. Like what gets me excited is seeing the Shiver Mansion basement. You know what I mean? So I think it's going to be a little bit of that push and pull of like, are you really sick of open world tropes? And that's going to be pushing up against how much love and nostalgia you have for this. And if you're not a big seven fan, I think I could see people going into this being like, it's a fine open world and you're running around big spaces a lot. It's okay. Yeah. You're going to be sprinting to destinations. maybe. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. right. Uh, well, on a Chocobo as well, though, which is fun. I mean, that's kind of what the last game was, though. And I feel like if it, to me, I'm not going into this necessarily expecting like this to be a hit open world game. I think it's a, it is the game it already was. Like this is now a franchise, right? But a little bit less annoying to get around, which that still could fail. I don't know yet. But by that, I mean stuff like being able to have like in the, um, you know, state of play where they showed some of like the traversal. It's like, oh, yeah. the idea of I see something um, six feet up, up, above me and I can actually reach it more organically than like I feel like in seven remake. It was a lot of it looks like you'd be able to just grab it, but you have to yes. maze your way around these yep. structures. Yep. So what I'm hoping out of what their approach to open world is that they can create a more organic feeling in terms of like maneuverability because it's like that weird like what can i interact 
with or not interact with and how can I get around? And even like in the demo, they had like those yellow climbing walls. I was like, Horizons Impact, baby, let's go. Oh, yes. But it, yep. But at least you can get up and around. And I feel like there were like there's a piece of material I picked up like in the demo that it's like, oh, I can actually get to that. And granted, it's probably because... You know, again, the opening is probably also functioning as tutorial, so they want to more teach you about, you know, I, I get that maybe the whole game won't feel like I can easily see and grab the things that I can take a look at visually. Right. But the idea of less having to, I don't know, being able to interact with more, I think, is a step up. I don't necessarily yeah. need to feel like I'm holistically immersed the way I am in like, I don't know, Tears of the Kingdom or something like that. Right. I, I mean, obviously that's the, the highest of the high bars. I don't think it's going to hit even like a, you know, Witcher 3 level, which you know is a bit of an old game at this point, but it's just, it's not going to be that. And so it's just, it's tough because it's like, well, this section of the game is all about just like, look at this whole world. You thought it was just Midgar, but there's so much more. So like, I totally get, they want to approach that open design. I just feel like, I don't think that's going to blow me away, but even if I'm lukewarm on that part, I think layering on top of everything on top of that, like just the nailing the tone, nailing the characters, nailing the writing, like everything else, everything else is poised to hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? The thing I'm most worried about besides like boring side content, because looking at the time that I played it, I was like, yeah, I feel like it was fine. And then watching it again, I was like, yeah, some of this is not interesting. Like, sure. I, I kind of forgot that it wasn't, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess this is annoying and this isn't great. And the You're talking about thing remake? The museum. Yeah. Okay, yeah, So yeah. I do, I am hoping that this is stronger and is like, I tweeted out, if this game can be half as good as Yakuza's side content, it would be like a huge step up. And that's yeah. more of a compliment towards how good Like a Dragon content is. Like, most games don't hit that level of side content ever. So I think hitting half would be like, oh, wow, this is really fun. Um, that aside, though, the number one thing I'm concerned about after um, this like demo experience is how this game and this franchise loves quick time events that happen in slow motion. <laughs> hold right. L2, hold R2, hold L2 again, hold R2 again. It's like, why can't I just turn? They're like, see, you're really involved in turning the wheel. And I'm like, did I did I want to be? Did anyone ask to be more involved in this? <laughs> right. Or there's just kind of the dorky stuff of like, oh, you have the Mako reactor to suck up the gas. It's like, this is fine. Okay, no, game. I like that, though. <laughs> oh, wait, you're, that's your house flipper too, love coming through, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's like, okay, I can vacuum up. Like, I don't mind being a little silly and having like an extra layer of engagement. Like, I think that's fun and, and playful and builds diversity of gameplay. But turning a wheel and I don't mind turning a wheel. I think that's fine. But why is it, why is it eight turns? Well, we're pro turning like, wheels here at Min Max. Yeah. Like, you know, sure. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. It's a lot I'm of those little walking up to something and hitting square, you know, it's a game, but it's like, and then hit square again, then pour. It's like, they add a weird, a, it's like a, like a cheap simulation aspect to it. It's, a, it's like yes. not fully committed to Sim, but kind of like annoying the way Sim is. Cause like the thing about the Sim genre too, is it's very easy to be, you know, so monotonous that it's dull and you have to learn how to walk that line and they're like mm. <laughs> so i'm concerned no, about i that. hear we'll it see. is it, it remake definitely had a lot of that too of like well here's just a sake of gameplay for gameplay's sake I'm like don't you like to run along the walls as red it's like i mean that's something to do i i guess there's just a lot of those little things and so i'm sure it's going to be scattered throughout this as well but uh obviously uh super excited for rebirth we are tackling it for the deepest dive so if you want to help support the game club format get rid of all these 
quick conversations about the game on the podcast. You want to unlock the full conversation that's going to be the best, most sort of discussion about Rebirth on the internet in your favorite podcast app. You can support Max on Patreon at the $5 tier or jump in at that $2 tier and you can submit comments for us to read about Rebirth as we're blasting through this thing and giving it the discussion that it deserves. So please help support the Deepest Dive format. Now's a good time. Also, bed really quick. Another yeah. thing that did not make sense Ooh, in yeah? remake that made sense after playing the demo. Yeah, I'm like, that's why she was dressed as a cowboy that one time. <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> she's just young and she likes to dress as a cowgirl. Like, it's it's all good. Yeah, but like in in remake, you like see a ran- random flash and she's dressed as a cowboy. Right. Yes. And I'm like, well, what? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. now all these years later, I was like, that's that cowboy outfit. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that's it's good. Uh, I, a couple couple more uh, dorky plugs. Um, this Monday, uh, we're going to be taking calls. We're going to get together with uh, the old Deepest Dive crew. Well, specifically Grant and Ronnie, my old friends who also love this game on Monday night for February 12th. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you can call in and we're going to be just talking about Final Fantasy seven and our thoughts on rebirth and all that stuff. So if you want to do a dorky call in, you can jump in at even that $2 tier through the discord is where it's all going to happen. Um, and also, um, this feels too navel-gazy and up uh, my own butt for the main podcast, but I was really, really floored and uh, humbled. Uh, I got to go to dinner with the game's developers, with Katase, who's the game's producer, but also the original game's director. I met him a little bit, like, five years ago or something like that. Um, but then also I got to sit directly across from Hamaguchi, who's this game's director. Oh, cool. And it was like just us. Like, Tim Gettys was down on the other side of the table talking about Star Wars or some crap, but it was really just like over two hours of just talking to Hamaguchi about Damn, Final Fantasy a VII. Tray. <laughs> I know, sorry, Tim. Um, but it was a dream come true, the fact that, like, an independent outlet like MinMax could have a seat at that table. Like, I was just over the moon excited about it. Um, I will talk about that dinner. Um, don't expect any wild revelations, but it was, a, it was a good conversation, and I'll get to gush more about that um, on Bonus Pod, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast that Haley McLean hosts. Um, it's very good folks. And you can unlock it at the podcast, uh, in the bonus podcast feed at the $5 tier on Patreon. So on this Monday's episode, I'll be talking about that dinner and why it meant so much to me and, and some of the, what'd you order? Oh, I'll save that for a bonus pod, oh, Kyle. All right. I will say Hamaguchi was very into a certain type of food and I'll let French you fries. try and guess what it was. <laughs> uh, Cosmo Canyon drinks. Um, so yeah, bonus pod. If you want to hear me talk about, basically interviewing the game's director for over two hours. It was a dream come true. Um, Rebirth, end of February. Look forward to it. Deepest Dive, it's going to be a blast. Uh, There's so much to talk about here. We barely scratched the surface for geeky details, but curious to hear everybody's thoughts on that demo too. Um, Jeff, um, Hello. It's time for you to come alive. Welcome to the world of Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, baby. What a transition. Yeah. Uh, how much of this have you played, Jeff? Um, maybe like six to eight hours. Ooh, nice. Okay, I'm probably around the five-hour mark, four to five. Um, Janet, where are you at for Suicide Squad? I think I'm around that same amount. Okay. I've done like one of the bosses. All right, perfect. Stares into camera, like, like chapter or something okay and kyle yeah same zone okay thereabouts yeah here's my channel it's funny we're not way, all playing together though <laughs> like oh no yeah. we, we couldn't possibly bother i i teased earlier by the way one of my predictions that i had written down because we were going to do this a few like a week ago and i i wrote down this prediction and but i don't i the prediction i wrote down was suicide squad kill the justice league will re, will review better than 20 than 2020's marvel's avengers 
Okay. Um, which I feel very confident in my own preference to Suicide Squad. I like Suicide Squad a hell of a lot more than I ever liked Marvel's Avengers, but I don't I don't think critically it has been the same reception, you know? Yeah. I you know what? I think I like Marvel's Avengers more than Suicide Squad, but I'm not really I, I'm not this, that done to me it's like no competition. It's so much more fun to run around as any of the characters than anyone in Marvel's yeah. Avengers. And that's important. That's important to me when yeah. it comes to a video game. Here's my challenge for all of us when talking about Suicide Squad. We've talked about this game probably seven times in the history of the Min-Max show. Let's have a conversation that we couldn't have had before. I don't want any of that. Does it have to be a live service game? It's not Arkham. We, we've talked about that a thousand times. This is just stuff that we can only talk about since actually playing the game for hours and hours. Does that seem fair? I guess, sure. Dad. <laughs> All right. Um, Kyle, maybe is the biggest Arkham fan. How do you feel about them not making a new Batman game and making this game? No, I mean... You're... I really would wish it wasn't a live service <laughs> game and that it was more of a single player. No, yeah, but I mean, you're enjoying moving around. What do yes. you think of Suicide Squad from what you've played so far? The, I, I wrote this feature over on Game Informer like where I was like, after spending about five hours with it, I was like, I still don't really know how I feel about it. Yeah. And I'm kind of in that same zone where there are moments where I really like it and there are moments where I'm like, I don't like this at all. Um, and I think... <laughs> I think after spending, you know, additional time, I'm, I'm sort of tipping towards the, the like it spectrum Ooh. because like I, I like the, I like the, the movement, the shooting I'm less sold on, but I like the movement. And I also, I do like the, the character performances. I like yeah. the, the stupid confidence of Captain Boomerang. Like he is, he's fun to me. Like yep. I enjoy that. And then when I do get, I know you want us to avoid this topic, but when I do get frustrated of thinking about it's like, man, I wish this was like closer to Arkham. I do sort of convince myself where I'm like, but like, do you really want like another melodramatic Batman game? Like, shouldn't you embrace kind of something lighter and sillier? Like, aren't you ready for that? Yeah. But then, but then there are moments where it's like super violent unnecessarily. And it's just like, just a. I don't know the, the crappy characters that I don't really want to hang out with, but then sometimes I do want to hang out with them. I'm just all over the place with this game, man. I yeah, don't know. It's weird. It definitely, it's not as bad as we feared, you know? And there are a lot of outlets out there that are giving it like fives and sixes. And it's one of those like, yeah, I get it, but you compare it to a lot of other fives and sixes. And that seems absurd. It's a game with a lot of, highs and lows to it like i was surprised that on steam way to put it. on steam it's sitting at 85 percent. like it's sitting at i think very positive on steam where it's like okay yeah i mean there is a lot going on here that's where it is one of the best studios in the world spending a lot of time on this thing and i think that's maybe the biggest takeaway is like the production values super impressive i i like the writing like i like the characters overall so much more than i thought i think visually visually it looks way better i have laughed I there have laughed. Yeah, I, I have laughed. Yep, I'm totally with you. It. My conclusion to jump the gun for where I'm feeling is like, it feels like if you put nine years and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into just an okay idea, and the okay idea is making a Suicide Squad game, but like it's, it's really a lot of production into that, and there's a lot to champion within that. Janet Jeffum, bring some logic and some sense to this conversation, please. Why would you turn to us, the Horizon people? Like, <laughs> the freaks, the freaks. Carry that flag up the hill. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot to unpack here. I think it's interesting, Ben, that you say, oh, like five or six, like I can kind of see it, but like, can I? I personally think that's apt. Like, I think it's yeah. an okay game. Yep. Like, 
it's it's solid. Um, I, how much am I enjoying it? I'm not quite sure. It admittedly isn't really my style of game, and it's not even like the live service part. I'm just not super heavy into shooters. Like I yep. try out a lot, but I don't. It's not the genre I'm reaching for, you know, inherently. But if a game pops up that has enough attention, I'll like dip into it, and you know, gunplay can be fun. Um, I'm playing this co-op, uh, so I'm playing with one other person, and yeah, it's like. <laughs> I think the things that are the highs for me are some of the things with characters like uh, it's you know light spoilers for the game. It's like one of the tr- first trailers they showed, but like the sequence with Batman involved, yeah. which I know people are going to get. Oh, the best thing with that. Whatever. <laughs> it is so good. Like yes. it's so intriguing and amusing and dark and strange. And, oh, and- sure. You're yes. talking about like when Batman's hunting you guys, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like okay. literally lights off. Like you're being hunted by yeah. Batman. It's like this rules. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You sort of pull up to, gosh, where are you even? Are you in? You're in the museum. The museum. Batman's museum. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the museum honoring Batman, I guess. And you know, it's that it, again, it was shown in trailers. The, oh, Batman doesn't kill people. And you see like all the bodies and it's like, it's awesome. It's, it's dark. It's funny. And I, I love what they did with that in terms of, if you get caught in any of the traps as you're walking through, you're just dead as that character. You like auto switch to a different character. And I'm like, oh, what a smart, fun, creative, different thing to do with it. And I feel like that's when that's one of the highs. I think the diversity within the challenges that they throw on top of the mission and side quests, things like enemies only take damage with grenades or critical hits. Yeah. I think that's really engaging. I think the the loop of need to get shield by like doing your kind of melee attack. And that's how you can kind of continue on. That's cool. I think where it wanes is, I think just the general repetition of the mission structure. Like yep. it's not, it's not really that interesting or in depth, but it is something to do. And I think some of what they do, they do well. No, that is, that is the wild part is it is just a lot of cool uh, abilities for traversal. You know, like I played as Captain Boomerang and being able to like throw the boomerang and then warp to where it goes. Like that's fun. But ultimately every mission is you're fighting some purple guys on a rooftop. And it's I like mean, the- they take a lot of time to explain why this instance of that is different this time. Yeah. Right. Right. Like you're collecting this now instead of that. But it all amounts to just fighting waves of enemies. And it's one of those games that, where it's a lot. It's a lot of that. Like, OK, the combat music is still playing and there's one dot of red on the radar. Where is this person? Okay, it's a very vertical combat environment, so they're actually down on the street level, tucked under uh, a nook. Okay, let me go fight them, and then the music will finally stop. It's it's a finicky game at times. And here's a question about the verticality of the combat. I feel like this has been a talking point for developers for the last 10 years, is we're going to have more verticality in our gameplay, in our combat. Can anybody think of a time where that is a positive for a game? Where they're like, oh, this game, the combat's better because of the amount of verticality in it. Other than Tears of the Kingdom. I think it's the only game that has I done it well. I the Horizon Bring Shores DLC. Okay. That was like one of their big shticks was being able to shoot up. But when you talk about verticality, do you mean like enemy placement or like phys- what you can physically accomplish? Everything. I feel like, I just, maybe I've just talked to too many developers and visited too many studios, but it just feels like a talking point for so many games. Remember like Gears of War 4, they're like, verticality is one of the pillars. Verticality in combat is like, I, I just think it's annoying. I don't think anybody wants I mean, that. I think Roller Drone was pretty good on verticality. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I mean, know. like the original Crackdown, you know, like if you're the one that's moving, right? Because like Gears, as an example, isn't a game that they radically changed how you're moving up and down. Yeah. But if it's fun, it is, it can be and is fun to move up and down, 
like with a game like I know I'm like a weird example, but just Crackdown comes to mind. It, like that's what that was super fun in that original game of like battles took place on like the sides of buildings and you could jump six stories at a time. And that yeah, was cool. I, yeah, I, I feel like there's shades of that in like Spider-Man and the infamous games like like sometimes infamous, yeah. it, it depends mm. on your move set. And the, and the thing that the thing that has stuck out to me about this game, I I thought it, I thought the game started well because there was a lot of tutorials and kind of dialogues and introductions to, you know, the good guys who are now the bad guys and all that stuff. It took a while for them to kind of really put you out into the open world. Um, yeah. And then you realize, OK, I'm attacking that giant gun on top of that building and whatnot. <laughs> but the but the thing about like the traversal is I feel like there's there's such a learning curve to it that is kind of throwing me off. And and that kind of tempered the enjoyment that I got from the beginning because like that first tutorial they give you like ten minutes with each person and they're just explaining how like each of their me- mechanisms work and like all four of them play very differently and they're very in depth mechanisms and and I can appreciate that I can I can understand like that like that coming from Rocksteady of, of like their kind of ethos of that but it but it. But then then once you start playing as that character and they throw you into a fight with two like two dozen enemies or whatever, I was immediately struggling and a little bit overwhelmed. And that's when I when I realized, like, okay, it's going to like whichever character I end up choosing to play, it's going to take me a lot longer before I feel good playing it as this character. Yeah. And, And it made me kind of look back to the original Batman games and then like. Comparing that to Spider-Man, where I feel like Spider-Man is a game you need five five minutes with the controls, and then you just feel like a freaking wizard right. when you're playing, and everything that you does looks super cool and makes you feel super cool when you're playing it. And it, it made me think back to the old Batman games, and and there was the the sense of like, well, that's right, like the the core me- mechanisms of of the Arkham games have always been. You know, like you run around, you punch people and that feels very good. But they but I forgot how much they layered on top of that with like combos and different abilities that you can do sometimes and not other times. And like to really play one of those, like one of the original Batman games, you had to put in that time and you had to figure out that character. And this is that times like five, but then also across four different characters. And it's just like I, I, I streamed the first couple hours and like. I was flailing around and even though I was, I was kind of doing good and it's like, I have a 30 times multiplayer combo while I'm doing it, but I feel like I haven't earned that. And I feel like I'm just falling down a lot and, and like struggling with, with the combination of, of traversal mechanisms and my weapons just like, and it's, it's not a huge knock against the game because I think like, like the depth is there. And if you're making this kind of game, you know, a live service game that you want people to play months and months and months, it kind of makes sense that you like, you have to really drill down to understand this character and to get really good at it. Uh, But, but like at the same time, I I feel, I feel like it's very easy to, and I kind of did this where it's like, I played boomerang for like 20 minutes and was like, eh, like this isn't really clicking with me and I don't feel good doing it. I'm going to go back to Deadshot or whatever. And like, and that's a little easier. And I can, I can see, I can see how that's going to affect kind of a critical reaction to this game of just like, 
No, you really got to you really got to saddle up to this character and really spend a lot a lot of time with them before it starts to feel good. And even then, part of me still questions like, I'd I'd rather play I'd I'd rather play a Spider Man like I like it that is tough. just feels yeah. so much so much better. And it, especially like Harley Quinn, I feel is is like the character that's com- comparative there, and like her swinging mechanism. <laughs> is so much more complicated. And when you pull something off with it and you actually do get like your, your, your swing and then you reset it and then you do a couple combos and then you grapple hook and that resets your combo so you can do another swing. Like it feels good, but if you, if you're not doing it and you screw up one of the timing things and you fall 20 stories back down to ground level, like you just kind of feel dumb and it doesn't feel super good. And it's, it's a weird it's a weird mix. It's it's a higher bar of like technical skill that Rocksteady demands. That um, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to serve this game. It's interesting, yeah. How much complexity they've tried to pack into the combat. Like obviously, it's like it's a lot of gear. It's a lot of loot, and it is just yep. All the criticism about the UI is totally fair. It's a wall of numbers that you don't care at all about. You know, it's just it's it's a zero. Um, despite them really wanting to have you feel invested, but there's stuff that's interesting where it's like, well, primarily, you know, characters have their melee, but primarily it's a shooting game, right? It's a looter shooter. You're running around and all this stuff. And it is wild to have Rocksteady say like, all right, well, it's a shooter, but obviously we're known for the signature counter from Batman. So now we have a counter for guns. Like if there's like a yellow it's thing, you hit so, a different button for it. It's such a weird idea. It's, it's so weird. And it's something that like the more I played, I got a, I got a little better at it. But it is a very weird, like, okay, well, that guy's flashing, so I got to shoot him now. I got to counter shoot him. Or this guy's shooting at me, and I just kind of have to wait until he goes in, until I get the counter. Because otherwise, you shoot him, and it does no damage. So I'm just kind of waiting for you to do, to, like, charge up your attack so that I can then counter it. I, I don't enjoy the counter mechanism that much. And I also, Janet, you said it was a positive, but I don't. I don't love the the getting shields back from comboing. Like that's straight out of Doom Eternal, and it felt so much better and like more manageable in Doom Eternal. Like the the melee in this game, I, I think the difference is like you are used to fighting so far away from people in this game, and it's like just sometimes just getting over to you so that I can now do the melee that I need to do, or I'm standing on a rooftop with you. And I need to melee you because I need the health. But every time I shoot you to take down some of your health, like I'm just obliterating you or the CPU, like my co-op partners are completely just like trashing you. And it's just like, just give me a guy that I can punch so that I can get some health back during this fight. It's right. They're, they're interesting mechanisms, but, but when you throw them all into a traversal system, that's very different for each character and a little harder to pull off. It, it becomes a little overwhelming sometimes. Kyle, tell me if this is a dumb thought or smart thought. I was playing this and thinking about like, why does this just feel bland when I'm running around doing the combat and stuff? And yet that Batman museum sequence I thought was awesome. And I was thinking about it and I credit to developers 1000 times smarter than us to be very fair. This is when we groveled Rockstar, You're good. We swear. But, um, and I know this isn't correct, but I was just thinking about it. It's like, it feels like a game devoid of level design. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, like it feels like boxes, right? It's just it's like all yeah. it's all just here's a big world with a bunch of rooftops. Go ahead and fight these guys over and over again. It's like there's no I'm not feeling any great dynamics 
and ups and downs, twists and turns in that process. But there are like these little narrative moments that I do think are good. And I do think the writing is a lot better than expected. Like it, it's weird how much it has in common with Marvel's Avengers where like everybody just looks back at that game and talks about what a failure it is. It's like, man, like I, I barely enjoyed that gameplay and I played through that entire game because I thought the writing and the story was so well done. And I feel like just people don't talk about what Crystal Dynamics pulled off here. And I feel like in the same case here, it's like, I don't like the Suicide Squad. I, I've i yet to meet one person who likes the Suicide Squad as a concept. But like, yeah, these, there's some good, charming little character moments in here that really got me, you know? Yeah, I... Yeah, it, it's interesting that I, yeah, Marvel just admittedly just did not click with me at all. Sure. I played it for like an hour or two and I was like, nothing about this is appealing to me at all. Where this is like... I'm into the the story. It's 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 another thing where I'm like convincing myself things. Like I have to yes. talk myself into stuff yes. where I'm like, gosh, it's weird that we're like trying to kill the Flash. And I was like, well, I mean, there's millions of this of these stories where these characters are consistent. Like I can find those a million places. Wouldn't I rather have something that's like weird and different and new? Yeah, you know, like and and it's like it, logically, I'm like, yeah, I would. I I I do want something different. But then when I'm I'm like watching the cutscenes and stuff. I'm not finding myself getting super engaged. It depends. There are moments where I'm like, this is really exciting. Like there is a, like the moments where it's like, this is an Arkham Knight sequel. Yes. Like we are acknowledging the events of Arkham Knight. And they do and a lot here of are it. characters that you recognize from Arkham Knight. One in particular really surprised me and I didn't expect them to appear. I'm like, oh, right. I do love this world that they've established here. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have an excuse to spend more time here. I, I am tipping more and more in, into the like of it, of wow, it all, okay. especially because I've, I've, I kind of was like, I'm focusing on Harley. I'm going to play as Harley. And like what Jeffen was talking about, I have now found the rhythm of swing, land on the ground, you know, dash, like hit that crouch button. So you sort of like dash across the rooftop, jump up in the air and grapple. But it did take me committing to one character for like a few hours. And I even found when it's like, hey, why don't you switch over to Captain Boomerang? We'll give you some extra experience. I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep playing as Harley. I like her. Like, I like playing as her. And that's the more I play it, the more I I, I do find myself getting into it. It is weird. I'm kind of with you in that camp of like, as I play it, I just spend so much time trying to convince myself that I do like it. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's just like, it's a wrestling. I'm not required to. I, I know, mean, just because I like their other games doesn't mean I need to like this. No, one. but I'm with you. Like, it just feels like a wrestling match in my head as I'm playing this. Like, logically, I don't know why this isn't clicking. There's so much good stuff in here. And then I just have to do that gut check and be like, end of the day, end of the play day, do I want to keep playing this game? And ultimately, I'm like, eh, no. I think I'm good at this point. I don't think I'm going to play anymore. Yeah. Suicide Squad. I'm going to see it to the end for sure. The okay. only thing that's holding me back at this point is I'm, I I want to finish Like a Dragon. And sure. then, it, then it will become mm. sort of my, my off hours mm. game. Where I, I, I want to see where the story concludes. Absolutely. Yeah. It is yeah. A- and the, this the story, I'm coming in on the other end of the spectrum where the, the story is what I was most excited about. I want a game, and I, I think I, I said this on a m- long time ago uh, podcast of like, I want a game where your job is to go murder all of these superheroes. This is And it's game. super fascinating when they show up and it's like, oh, shit, it's Green Lantern. He can just smush us whenever he wants. Like, They're scary. How, They're how are we going to deal with that? And the, the Batman stuff, like, that stuff is really interesting. It's just... There are a ton of things in between where Rocksteady really had to focus their energy on how do we make a repeatable kind of arena area objective that you can do forever for the next, you know, yep. how many ever years, fingers crossed, that you'll like that. And they they came up, you know, with like a half dozen of them or whatever, but they all kind of 
feel very similar. And they're none of them are things that I actually want to sit there and repeatedly do. Yeah. And so th- those just kind of become stumbling blocks in between the main missions that I want to do and the cutscenes that I want to see and character interactions yeah. that, I'm, that I'm kind of waiting for in between. Character animations, shout out, I do think are are awesome. I'm playing on PC, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly impressed by how good it looks. And there are moments too where I'm going around the city and I've even tried to like stop and walk through Metropolis. Like, okay, can I soak in the city as an environment? Like, not really. And it's like, I had a moment where I was like, what a boring city. What a boring environment. And then I was like, yeah. oh, that's right. No, there's a giant skull ship from Brainiac with tentacles going through the city. <laughs> but somehow, somehow still, it just feels like a boring environment. It's such a weird... Yeah, and that that was another starting thing where like um, before they put you in that open world, it was like, oh, yeah, I do want to see a big open world metropolis and, you know, this look is for it. the landmarks or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, but, but the city's already devastated. Everybody's already gone. You're like... Just go find monsters in it and shoot those monsters on rooftops. And that's yep. that's frustrating. I think that's another reason why like the Batman segment stood out because yeah. it's like, okay, this is an interesting place. I can see how this is a museum and this is fun to look around and actually explore. And there's not a lot of that happening outside in the open open world. Yeah. Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League. Kyle, God bless you for seeing it through to the end. I know you love your Flash, so you got to see how he comes out at the end of this. <laughs> I mean, he's no Sonic the Hedgehog. I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, Jeff, um, there's a game yeah. that you said, hey, I want to code for that. I want to play that. And I said, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then you keep saying, hey, I want to talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right, we'll get to it, whatever. And then, and then I started hearing about it other places, and it turns out that it's sold like yeah. a gazillion copies, and I'm an idiot. I'm for not, not nuts, right? No, you're not nuts. Uh, Gaslighting me? Enshrouded is the name of this yeah. survival game that's in early access on uh, PC right now. Enshrouded. Uh, it's weird. It came out so close to Pal World, and it also yeah. is just crushing, where it also, it's like number nine on Steam right now for most played games. It had a million players in four days. Like, it, it's just wild. The survival genre can have two big hits at the start of the year, right back to back. And they're both killing it. Yeah. If it, it feels like there's this massive genre and just class of games that everybody overlooks. And it's like, no, actually, you know, like, Hey, I, I wish, I wish like big AAA developers would pay more attention. Just like everyone, sh- when they log in in the morning should go to steam and see what the top played games on steam are right now. And what type of games those are. And take some notes. Fortnite's like, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you, they're frantically writing <laughs> it down. Fort, it's my yeah. own business. <laughs> Fortnite, Fortnite's the one. Um, but yeah, so so I saw this originally on some random PC Gamer article that was like, hey, look at all the crazy stuff people are building in, in Shrouded. And I looked through those pictures, and that's when I was like, I am messaging Ben right now to see if we have heard anything about this game. Um, yeah, so it's... You know, it's one of these big open world survival games where you're crafting a bunch of stuff. The, I guess one of the one of the main things that kind of sets it out uh, or makes it different from other ones is that there's also complete terraforming. So once once you build your pick pickaxe, which you do in like the first twenty minutes or whatever, basically you can just like burrow your way into any portion of the land. And they do some interesting things with that um, in terms of like gameplay and trying to get into forts and things like that. Sometimes the answer is just dig a hole underneath and then dig yourself 
up on the other side like you're escaping Alcatraz or something. But it is procedurally but, uh, generated, right? If it is, it's the best goddamn procedural generation <laughs> I've ever seen. I, okay. I think it's I think it's one uh, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's it's just one big very like deliberate map that they made because That's the weird, the huh? way that the landmarks work on it, it's it's way too deliberate. Like and the other yeah, people are saying not procedurally generated. Oh, okay. Thank you for Thank you. for proving that I'm not insane. Uh, but one of the other big things about it is that um, you know the world is enshrouded with these with these big areas that are basically like giant monster fog areas, essentially. Um, and you go into them, and there's like lots of weird alien overgrowth and like fungi growing everywhere, and all the, you know they're monster like humans have been distorted into monsters in those areas. And then you just hear like beastly groans and like, you just want to get out of it when you're in them and you yeah. have a timer at the top. Um, that's constantly ticking down of when you're going to die. If you don't get out of it. I think it's cool so to like, have that kind of like pressure though. Cause yeah, I, I played a little bit of this game as well, just to have like, Oh, let's mix up the biomes and environments and just have like, here's, here's basically the, the dungeons except with this mist and all this stuff, like clocks ticking, get out of here fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it it adds to it adds a certain sense of dread where it's like you look out one of the first things is like there's this bridge that has been broken in half because you you find a note that says like bandits were coming across the bridge so we had to you know blow it up and there's just a big trench in between the area that you're located and the other area but it's all you know this shrouded and it's like you 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 feel a sense of like okay I got to gather some resources before I even head in there and there's a certain sense of dread anytime you go or yeah. you'll be in one and like your timer's ticking down and then you find like stairs going down into some crypt and it's like, Oh Jesus, do I have enough time to go down there? Like it, it gets, it gets genuinely tense, but, is, but is the other like thing that story? has, is there like a, or is it, is it there's kind of some yeah, like thing stuff? Here. Yeah. So, so I, I guess like big criticism out of the way, way early, um, like the world, there, there's not, there aren't a lot of people in the world. It feels very much like an, another desolate. Like no, any, any people no that you find are around. usually zero pals. Yeah, they're, they're, they're scavengers that are going to attack you on site. And so, but you know, you'll get on top of a mountain wherever and you look out and you'll see all these interesting places. And I think the game, the game gives you a lot of missions of like, hey, go find this, go, you know, do that in these different areas, which I don't, which you don't get a lot in survival games like this um but once once you get there you know you'll find you'll find loot and you'll find some interesting stuff but you're not like finding civilizations okay yeah of um of people out there but um it's it's, it's a better looking game than i thought it was going to be jeff um it's it's, it's like a, a better looking it's a better playing yeah the combat's, you know, combat's a little dark souls ish you know in that in that souls vein and i and the, the other thing that i like about it and that's kept me playing is the survival a- uh, aspects of it are not super punitive. Like you, you, like it'll take you like a half an hour to build your first base, which will look very nice because they give you all different kinds of aesthetic, you know, building blocks to build your stuff out of. And you'll get enough to build the basic tools. And like, there's durability, but when a when a tool breaks, you still keep it in your inventory. And anytime you go back to your crafting bench, you automatically fix everything for no resources or anything like that. And so Ooh. like you, you build up, you build up your <laughs> resources and your tools and you know, it'll take like a bunch of extra 
tools to get to the next tier. But then once you have it, you don't have to worry about it. And it's it's a lot more generous. And also, like, when you need stone, like, you just walk up to a, any goddamn mountain and start hitting it. And there's an infinite amount because you're just burrowing in. And so, like, it's just a lot of it's not like the most original survival open world game, but like yeah. it plays good. It looks good. It has some it's interesting like you know, twists. I mean, it's yeah. weird that it's, I'm not a survival guy in general. I mean, I started pal world and I was like, Oh, this is like a punch trees. Get wood. That's such a cake, condescending you know? take though. Kyle. You said this so many times, but it's like survival games are freaking fun. They're popular for a reason. I know, you know? But like, like the, I've never, I've never gotten over that first. And this is a Kyle problem, but like, I've never gotten over that first hour or two where it's like, ugh, my hammer's broken. I don't have enough trees. I I took out all the trees over here. Right, wild? like there's a hurdle <laughs> that you right. jump over where it, you start like having that management system where you're keeping track of everything and it's going smoothly and you're and you're going on that upward progression. But I can just never get on that hill of of where you start going up. I just like get to the foot of that hill and I'm like, everything's broken and I'm out of resources. You know, that's just but, a matter like, of like, things that you're saying are like weirdly attractive to me. Where it's like. Your right. weapons automatically repair themselves when you go to the right place. You're not going to run out of rocks because, like, there's a mountain right there, you know? Every, um, like, it seems so like everything maybe, maybe this in is the, the world, one. yeah, like, all resources in the world, it seems like once you, like, the next time you log on, everything is is completely grown back and stuff. You're never going to run out of trees and those kind of things. Yeah, like, those those are the sm- the granular little things that are different about this one that do keep me playing Kyle. I'm in exactly the same boat as you of like, well, this is, I like this, you know, like I built this thing once. I never have to worry about it. You build a grappling hook, you build, you know, a glider, which is really more like a flight suit. It's a like wingsuit. Yeah. It's freaking sweet. Yeah. Yeah. A wingsuit. Um, yeah. And then you, you led you with that. Have I know. That your problem. I know. Yeah. That's, that's the kind Is there a ring it's, you jump it's, over and then another ring comes out when you jump over that? Kyle's <laughs> favorite. Yeah. The the flight suit isn't as functional as the glider, but at that point you never have to worry about falling off of you know a cliff and killing yourself that yeah, way and stuff. Nice. It's it's just a lot of a lot of nice little things, and the world is just like so ridiculously massive. It makes me want to keep exploring. And you 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 set up like little shrine areas that act as fast travel points. You can have the the more you upgrade your kind of base, the more of those you can build out, and those are super like the the resources for that are basically nothing and and it's just it, it gives you it gives you a lot of like it puts the challenges in front of you of normal survival games but it's like hey don't worry about it like it's very easy to meet the the requirements for yeah. this did you cool. play valheim at all jeffem i didn't okay how do, how does it compare for that uh i like i mean i mean i put like because i i know game, you you absolutely love i valheim. love valheim and let the record show Sarah also confessed in a moment of weakness to me that she's fallen back in love with Valheim and she regrets her words and deeds for not pushing it higher on the two tens back in 2021. <laughs> um, yeah, Valheim just, I like Valheim so much more. At least this seems like a very solid survival. Game. I'm surprised by its success, I, I guess. It's Valheim. I just loved for, and still love for like just the world and kind of being scared of it. You know, like you're building up a town and there's just big, dark, scary woods next to the town and just, Every once in a while, a frost giant will come storming out and start tearing up your walls and stuff. And it genuinely freaks you out like that. Just, the world felt so much more fun and mythologically inspired, I guess. Uh, but this one yeah, seems so, really smooth and great, too. So, Kyle, if you don't like having a giant frost giant come out and destroy <laughs> all of your resources and having to start over again. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had a weird... Uh, I also feel like, you know, between Lego Fortnite, which I've had a couple sessions in, and I'm still like, oh, I'm going to spend more time with it. I, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, and then also, Power World got me a couple weeks ago, where like after the podcast we recorded about it, it was just one of those things of like, well, I have an hour free tonight. The baby's down. What do I want to play? Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is huge. It's right there. It's like, I think I want Pal World. I just kept going back to Pal World again and again because, again, survival games are fun. And, like, you know, one of the big thrills of survival games is, like, oh, getting to that new biome, exploring the new biome, finding something new. And Pal World just got me because, like, oh, you get constant little thrills of new stuff, which is just discovering a new Pokemon, you know? Like, that, that's I, I fun enough. Remember, like, I don't remember if I talked about this. Maybe I remember repeating myself. I apologize. But... I, I started Pal World and like the first thing you do is like make a bat and you go f- hit a pal with right, like a bat. Right. And like my family was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> they had to uninstall. Away. Like you are not walking around hitting Pokemon with bats to put them on your team. You've changed, dude, ever since you hit <laughs> yeah. Pokemon with that first bat. Yeah, man. But I, I, also, bat like, I was like, I, I, you, you guys like are right. I get it, man. Attack. This does not feel nice. <laughs> I do not like hitting these creatures with bats. Yeah. I also when, found it to be sad. To hit them. It is sad. Yeah. No when, sad. When when we when we played it on New Show Plus though, Kelsey was just going around and murdering all of them with a bat. <laughs> like she wasn't even trying to catch eyes, them. Right? I would just I would just walk into the area and they would just be dead Pokemon everywhere. I was kind of doing that Hell. too. I did feel bad what though, but I pushed hell? through those feelings, Kyle. <laughs> oh, is that that's the trick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kelsey hasn't recovered yet. She's deep in therapy now because of the actions of that New Show Plus for Pal World. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a lot of New Show Plus. <laughs> it is a lot of issue plus. Uh, but Kyle, yeah. So I kept going back to Power World again and again and again. Like, this is great. I'm having such a good time with this. Um, but then at a certain point, I was like, well, I should probably go back to Lega Dragon. And then I went back to it and I was like, well, what am I doing playing anything else ever? This might just be the best <laughs> game ever made. Lega Dragon Infinite Wealth might be all I want to play for the rest of my life. Like, and I've just, I've been seeping back more and more into that world. And I, I just freaking love it. Like, yeah. You're doing a bunch of RPG battles and running around the same environment again and again, but like, it is so freaking funny and so fun. It just, I'm having a tough time imagining a game that will top it other than Rebirth this year. Like, I just am <laughs> loving Infinite Well so far. Yeah. I'm excited to see if you end up having like a, an Infinite Wealth Rebirth, like, I think I'm right. Two wolves inside me moment. Like, I don't know. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, I mean, like, I, I'm on track to like Infinite Wealth more than Seven. You Yakuza seven, and it's going to be a TITIP moment for those the early aughts hip hop fans will understand. And they're all out there. Uh, yeah, but Kyle, saying. you've been you've been nearing the end of Infinite Wealth. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think I'm genuinely on the the final boss. I'm certainly in the last chapter, you know. And I've been playing the last chapter. It turns out it was like half the game. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so like. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 so I, I like it. I just like the tone of it all. Yep. And like just the sort of uh, it's 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 maybe absurd to call that game grounded, but it does feel like a real place, you know, like that actually exists. I don't, I don't mean like the world building is so good. I just mean they've represented, you know, a real place that exists in our world in an RPG in a fun way that just is like totally clicking with me. And it, it is super yeah. great. Yeah, I just the more I play and just the silly mini games, I think are so fun. Like they they got me hook, line, and sinker. When it's like there's a Pokemon Snap mini game oh. <laughs> in Infinite Wealth, but you're just taking pictures of 
creepers like jumping out of bushes wearing speedos right is it stickos yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah uh it's just this yeah. is a and perfect that guy is so game. excited about that he's like oh i just love taking pictures of weird people on the street and the part, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah the part that killed me is like you're going by the store and then the door opens to the store and it's just like a little cart with one of those sickos on it doing a pose like in this little cart that just wheels out to the curbs you can take a picture from it is just the funniest goddamn thing or like there's another stupid side quest where you're delivering lemonade to the right people you know and it's like make sure they want lemonade don't just give it to anybody and then just like a guy standing there and he's like ah you know me i'm on a no lemon cleanse (laughs) (laughs) or like another guy's like no one i swear to god if anyone asks me about lemons today i'm (laughs) gonna rip on them it just might be perfect it might be the perfect comedic experience and then the drama is still yeah (laughs) Uh, I, I am looking forward to playing through. I'm worried. I think I'm gonna have to take a big break for Rebirth, you know, oh, sure. uh, to have my I mean, that's, paternity leave for the Rebirth. I mean, yeah, this because I, I really genuinely, genuinely want to play Persona 3 Reload. Like I want yeah. in the same way. I'm like, this is going to be my first proper like a dragon game. Let's go in on Persona 3 Reload. That'll be my first proper Persona. But it's just like it's piling up, man. Like, I, yep. yeah, it's it's going to have to be um, like a dragon suicide squad, then Final Fantasy and then. I still want to try to get Persona in there, but it's it's the odds are slim <laughs> at this point. And that's your 2024. That's it. Yeah, man. right. That's it. I'm done. I've played all the games. Last thing I want to say about Infinite Wealth, though, um, probably not the last, but you know, I was so worried about like, oh, there's so much Kiryu backstory I should be absorbing before this because I haven't played the older games or I've started a couple of them. I know it's wrong, um, but I think Infinite Wealth works really well with with Kiryu being just a mysterious, powerful figure. You know, like I know there's layers to the story that I'm totally missing. I get that. But just like what chapter are you on? Oh, gosh, still I'm like eight hours in or so. So, okay, there is there. It does cross a point where as as a person who's in the same boat as you, who does not know Kuryu very well, where I'm like, all right, this is a little bit too much Kuryu as someone who doesn't know him. Okay, I don't think it's too much for fans. Yeah. But like there is a point where I I was like even skipping some cutscenes because i was Whoa. like i don't know who oh any of not not, like, not mainline cutscenes so, so not main story cutscenes i'm talking about like Kiryu side missions where you spend a lot of time going and visiting a character that you like knew in the past i'm like i have no idea who this person is oh. so you and don't I, know him and your solution was like i'm gonna know him even less <laughs> i want i want the uh I want the the experience because you get like combat bonuses for doing all those side so missions it's just numbers to you it's just numbers. It's like you don't even care about them. Wow. But yeah. like a lot of them are good. A lot of them are like, oh, I remember this. This happened. I'm like, all right, I have the context here. But there were a few where it's like, I have no idea who these people are. I don't know what they're talking about. Fair. I'm not going to know. I will skip this cutscene and read the little description in the in the menu uh, that it pops up afterward to tell me what happened. Um, so it does get very curry you heavy. I'll warn you. OK, um, please. Thank but you. it's not I, I, I'm still really enjoying it. That's not turning me away. That's more me just being like, I knew what I signed up for yep. when I decided to play this game without having played the other six games. I knew I was going to hit some walls of like I, that. I need to Google people and stuff like that. And that's fine. Yeah, um, I still I still, in fact, encourage people in the same boat as Ben and I to play infinite wealth yep like that that shouldn't turn you away i don't don't feel like you need to play seven other games just to play this one that's fun and good and available right now yeah Haley mclean who went back to seven <laughs> but she says she's really enjoying it so i guess we it's really her. good yeah and no it, doubt like the benefits like i'm riding the high of like this is what ga- this is what turns people into gatekeepers you know yep actually if you had played like a dragon you would know like what happened with the a guy that he remembered from the beginning but the thrill of that payoff was 
it was a, it was a dangerous high to hit. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, this might make me a little too powerful. I need a, I need to calm down. But yeah, like the the through line's great. Back with a cast of buddies, like, and I just barely finished seven, aka Yakuza Like a Dragon. I finished that, I think, like a year ago, maybe half a year, ago. like not that long ago. Yeah. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. So like, just a nice continued through line because a lot of the games I play like just don't have that. I noticed, which is weird. Like I play a lot of story stuff, but it's like they're anthologies a lot of times, mm. or they're the story's not super relevant. You know, like a mario game like that's not gonna carry that you know what i mean like right it's just fun to so revisit that, those friends yeah i get it for sure yeah so it's like oh this is like there's actually something happening <laughs> it's yeah. like oh my god the thrill of something actually happening this is the <laughs> year for that though for me with infinite wealth and then rebirth oh yeah where it's yeah. like oh i'm getting the benefits i get to finally i've been sewing for so long it feels good to finally reap you know <laughs> <laughs> uh hey kyle you know what's more grounded than the environment and infinite wealth is it a documentary about a popular video game? It's a documentary about The Last of Us Part 2, everybody. That was just released from Area 5. If you recall, back in, how was it, 2014 they would have released it? Maybe 2015? I think 2014 with the PS4 version. Um, they made a documentary about the making of The Last of Us uh, that we'll now call Part 1. Um, and it was, it was a good uh, behind-the-scenes look at the making of The Last of Us. And now... I mean, four years after the game came out, they released Grounded 2. So it's the documentary about the making of The Last of Us Part 2. I'm a sucker for game development documentaries. I'm very sensitive to them, might be the phrase to use. Like, I'm always just, I'm sensitive to just how legit is this going to feel? How real is this on a scale of, you know, some Vidoc with uh, them talking about Mass Effect's a great series. You'll love it. Wow, this is great compared to Psych Odyssey being the two ends of the spectrum, you know, for uh, game development documentaries. Grounded series is, is solid. It's nowhere near like a Psych Odyssey, not to immediately put it down, but there's some, there's some good clips in this that is awesome that these are seeing the light of day just for shedding a little bit more insight into the development of The Last of Us Part 2. But it's a two-hour documentary. It's free on YouTube. If you have the PS5 version of Last of Us Part 2 as well, they, they patched it in for you. Um, Janet, you watched this thing. Thank you for watching it. Um, what do you think about the making of The Last of Us Part Two? I think it had some fun moments of if you're really into, again, the behind the scenes of game dev, which I imagine a lot of people listening get a kick out of, yeah. you know, the stuff like the behind the scenes of like that E3 demo, like what really went to making it, like what, you know, all of those details. Hearing, I think, conversations within the team about things like how do we handle the horse? Well, he can't just come back. That that would be too smart for a horse. It would look silly. It's like those kind of things, you know, them talking about the dynamics of the rain, seeing mocap dogs. Like, it's got it all, right? Like, there's sure. fun stuff in here. But I think ultimately, by the time I got to the end of it, I don't think it's like a must-watch documentary. Like, I don't. I think what it's missing to me is, yes, it's a behind-the-scenes of making it The Last of Us 2 and then kind of like how that went down. Yeah. But there's not... I think a good documentary, besides just documenting an event, there has to be like some type of the themes that emerge, through lines, right. arcs. This didn't really have that. I feel like I walked away and I didn't have a takeaway other than they used to crunch and now they're trying not to. Yep. And even that wasn't that explored. So it's like, yeah. I feel like I got a lot of, it's like, it felt like chips on a table. Like I, I think, love, love table chips, but I didn't really feel like I walked away with something substantial from this look. I think that's fair. And I think so much of that, 
is coming down to Sony being pretty tight. It's not like they're embedded in the studio. You know, I'm so sorry to compare everything to two player productions and psychotasy, but it's not, they're not embedded in the studio. The, I for mean, the, it's the apex, right? I mean, it's, yeah. the, it's the best, like, yeah, you know. right. And so it's like, Hey, if you're invited in, I don't know. I, I would love to talk to area five about this process. Winky winky. Look forward to upcoming Winmax content. Um, but it's like, how many days are they getting invited to Naughty Dog to film? 10? Yeah, who you know, yeah, I would love to know what that exact number is. And so it's like, how much insight can you get in the development process from that? And so like when I watch stuff like this, I'm just savoring like what they got to show the public. You know, it's not a matter of like the greatest debate during the development of Last of Us Part Two or the most decisive meeting. Yeah, they're not capturing that here, but they are showing, you know, big moments of like Evan Wells, the president at the time, talking about like, okay, we're not gonna make this demo happen for E3, and you get to see their actual reactions. You get to see Neil Druckmann pitching. This should have been the whole documentary, realistically. But you see Neil Druckmann pitching the rest of Naughty Dog on the story of The Last of Us Part Two for the first time. You get to see, like, Josh Scher, a writer over there, you get to see his reaction when he learns about, like, you know, a big traumatic moment near the beginning of Last of Us Part Two, And it's like, that is awesome footage to have out there. And, like, there's just good geeky stuff, like, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to map out this whole scene and... You just get to see people getting annoyed that Neil Druckmann is so busy with other stuff that he doesn't have time for their meeting anymore, you know? And they're like kind of jokingly like, oh, Neil, he's too busy focused on consulting with the Melee team, but we need him to approve this video or this cutscene over here. And like just that level of insights, like, okay, there's a real moment. There's a real moment. And there's a handful of those in this that I'm really thankful we got to see. There's there's also, I mean, the big headlines are totally fair um, that people pulled out from this. Like they say that, Early on, Last of Us Part Two was directly inspired by Bloodborne. It was more of an open world environment. So I'd imagine that would be Seattle, and you're kind of learning this environment more and more and more, which is cool. It's still, Seattle is kind of that big open environment. There's still kind of some remnants of it in there. Um, but then the part that was surprising to me is they said that they started working on Last of Us Part Two before Uncharted 4. They like recorded that first trailer before working on Uncharted 4, which is really surprising to me because that also implies then that Bruce Straley, the original game's director, um, he eventually left Naughty Dog after Uncharted 4, but that he was presumably, we don't know for sure, but presumably pretty directly involved for the origins of Last of Us Part 2, which is a timeline that I did not have in my head. And so that's always been the biggest mystery for me is like this duo partnership of Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley, who worked together for years and years and years at Naughty Dog on Uncharted 2 uh, in a big way. And then Last of Us, obviously, um, that he just kind of dropped off the map after leaving the studio. And, and now everyone's like, well, Last of Us, that's Neil Druckmann's baby. And it's like, well... No, it's kind of, <laughs> there were two parents originally. So there's no Bruce Straley in this documentary. You know, they did give a Bruce Straley a big thank you, I think, in the credits for Last of Us Part Two or the remake of Part One, I forget. So it's not like they're ignoring he exists, but there's some story there that they're not showing. So that's, that's fair. There could be its own thing. But Janet, not to ramble too much about this, but you mentioned, you know, documentaries having the bigger arcs, the bigger storylines. Like for a while in this, it felt like, I don't know if you guys watched the making of The Last Jedi, that documentary. It's, it's very good. I think so. It's excellent. I it's called I The Director and the Jedi. And the entire framing for that documentary is it's about the relationship between Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill. And like trying to convince Mark Hamill that this is like the right direction to go for Luke Skywalker. We can't go any other direction because J.J. Abrams had him leave everybody and go stand on a cliff. There's no other story we could tell. Um, and there are tones of that in this, I feel like, where it's like, oh, this is kind of a through line that's something of just like Troy Baker talking about his thoughts on Joel's direction in Last of Us Part Two and working with Neil Druckmann on that front. So I thought there's some interesting dynamics there for another through line. Um, but uh, also big headline then, we talked about it earlier that at the end, it's quite the 
you know, quite the tease, but Neil Druckmann just saying like, it, it took me years to come up with the concept for Last of Us Part 3, but I have the concept now and, and we're going to tell one more story in the Last of Us universe, is what he says. Just cool. Well, does he, say, does he say that? Because he's, well, he we says, get the direct He says there's one more right. story to tell, is how he phrases it. He said it. he... He said he feels like he, here's the thing. Like, yeah. and I'm not saying that there's not going to be a Last of Us 3 because, I mean, they're like, we make what we want, but also like everything you make is for money. So it's like, yeah, Last of Us 3, would, people would buy that. Um, and they seem interested, genuinely interested in making it. I think his wording was closer to like, one day I'd like to, you know, have that story. I think that story will see nope, nope, nope. light. That and was, no, that was him talking about the Tommy stuff. Because he said after okay. part two, he had a story about Tommy. That he's like, maybe you'll see that story we ended up scrapping. Maybe it's going to be like a small kind of sure. Lost Legacy style or like thing. like a TV show or Yeah, something. so he says like, maybe it'll come to light in a game or a TV show eventually. So it's probably going to be a TV show or a spinoff TV show at this point. Like, who the hell knows? But So then part three was about the other thing where he said, yeah, that is, they have one more story to tell. Who knows if it'll actually be the ending and whatnot. But uh, it's, it's a solid documentary. The other big takeaway, and I think Jacob Keller in particular had some strong thoughts on this, is it's fascinating to see... Naughty Dog, um, first of all, obviously talented studio. Few studios say the name of their studio more during interviews than Naughty Dog does. It's a lot of like, well, the Naughty Dog way is we got to go all the way. Naughty Dog, we do it the best. It's a lot of that type of stuff where it's like, all right, everybody, look, you're the best. We get it. You're the best. Um, but it's also fascinating. They don't have a better name. <laughs> yeah, they really blew it for sure. But uh, it, it's fascinating to see how much the documentary, and it's not like it's every scene, but they do focus a lot just like on them reacting to internet comments. And it's clear, like they're, they're the kings of the game industry, but they are sensitive kings. And like, I don't think they're alone on this. Like, obviously, if you're pouring years and years and years of your life into a game, yeah, you're going to read comments online when a trailer comes out and stuff like that. But there is an interesting tone throughout the documentary of them reacting pretty aggressively to some of the comments online. Like there was one article in Polygon that Neil Druckmann was furious about. Um, and Haley Gross, the writer was also furious about where it was the Abby reveal trailer and Polygon wrote an article about like, did women even work on this game? Like you stop brutalizing women for your marketing type of thing. And then Neil and Haley were both like, fuck you. <laughs> like they're so mad yeah, about it. I, I mean, I, I think the, I thought about a lot about that moment and like what that means. I mean, I think they're, is a lot of I want them to be honest and I think that was a moment of honesty yep. but I think it sucks that one of their few moments of honesty was kind of feeding into the devs hate game critic narrative yep. Um, yep. And I'm not saying that's a true narrative I'm not saying that they them being critical or having that kind of response means like that they you know harbor resentment or anything like that it just feels like okay that's an interesting I, I wish there was more of you cutting loose that wasn't just on this portion because on that one writer for polygon because ultimately who cares but then again it's like i i understand being sensitive about comments i am very sensitive myself about it i understand reading all those but it does feel like one of those like you're swerving out of your way just to really highlight this one comment in an article but at the same time janet it's like that was like the most personality not that she was lacking in other areas like yeah. the, the most interesting interview with Haley gross the writer where she's literally screaming like <laughs> that writer the writer of that article can suck a you know, where it's like, oh, like if you have that clip, you should probably use that clip if she's being yeah, this I mean, emotive like, and expressive. The you know? drama, right? But like, right. Uh, okay, well, you know, that is what it is. I mean, people in the chat are mentioning like, did they get into the leaks? That was another. Yep. I think the issue with this documentary is we looked at a lot, but we didn't really go in depth on anything. And I feel like a good documentary should be going in depth on something. And again, I'm not saying that like 
you know, maybe their hands were tied. I'm not trying to shade the production company, but just looking at it as a piece itself. Sure. Like they did get into the leaks and that was really fascinating to hear them talk about it and like kind of how it went down and when it went down and how they felt like it, you know, affected things. And, yep. But it wasn't a substantial amount of time spent on that either. I mean, um, it, is, it is interesting though, like in that sequence, like Neil says that that's like, that was the lowest point in his life was when the yeah. entire game leaked. And he said, I barely squeaked by. Um, and they do a whole corollary of him feeling the same feelings about revenge that Ellie feels towards the person who I leaked it. I feel like it's that like, shot is specifically I thought was on. unhinged. Okay, we need to like go, we need to break this down because it's just like, okay, well, I said, why, why do they edit Neil talking about his hate about the leak with one of the last scenes in Last <laughs> of Us 2, no brutal. spoilers. Right. It feels extra for no reason, LOL. Like, I thought that was... But oh, I think yeah. it was way too heavy handed. I was like, okay, like it's extreme. I think it's because that footage in the game is so extreme. But when Neil also is saying that you got over, but you didn't get over the article. I, I don't know. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, and then I let it go. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like yep. the vibes were a lot. It's, it's interesting. I'm very glad it exists. And if you want to watch the tour documentary with the making the last of us, it's, it's, it's cool that it's out there for sure. And there, there um, is some insight. I think some quick hit things I yeah. thought were fun to check out. Um, definitely the E3 stuff was awesome mm-hmm. like trying to hit seeing the vibe of hitting the deadline not hitting the deadline oh, it's not late for e3 it's early for next e3 kind of energy there um i wrote down it's too hard to market games i would quit um which i do agree with i think this is a consistent reminder that i think we could always need more of which is like how hard it is to make games how much work and care and yes. detail like i think they were parts of this that really shined in that regard. Um, I think that's exactly it, Janet. Like, it's it's another message, which is what I always love from the game industry and these documentaries, is driving home the message of, like, hey, everyone at home, when you think you know what's going on in game development, you've no f***ing idea what you're talking about. And I am a fan of any time a developer says that. Like, yes, there are times this documentary where it's like, all right, all right, Naughty Dog, kings of the industry, we get it. But I, I think that message is definitely worth driving home again and again and again. If you're online talking about game development, you're not in the studio, you don't know what the f*** you're talking about. Yeah, there's some fantastic stuff, too, with them. Again, I think just none of it had quite, like, enough time to make it, like, the tent pole. but um, them talking about their accessibility work yep, on this game cool. and yep. what that meant for the team, how that kind of came about, um, really highlighting the ways that in accessibility you still need to create, like, challenge for those players because I, I do think as much as we... I feel like I hope everyone listening knows at this point that, like, accessibility is not just an easy mode, but they really do give some concrete examples of, like, a blind player talking about well i want to be able to ping to hear this certain item but i want to be able to kind of still look for it even with that ping. so kind of how do you yeah. find you know that lane i think was super cool there's some fantastic highlights of you know the audio design um the voice acting of the people that are the infected like there's some really cool tidbits throughout this it's just like the you know is it a banger document like sure. for me this is isn't that- bang but it has cool insights like i think if you like game stuff behind the scenes stuff you will enjoy watching it and there'll be like these pockets that you'll probably yeah. pop for in yeah. your watch time with it. It, it. The most interesting thing also is like the ending where they talk about lessons from the development of Last of Us Part 2 and it's like okay we need producers blah 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 and a big theme is trying to alleviate crunch and and there's a certain line where I forget who said it but they said it made me chuckle how absurd the failure of trying to alleviate crunch was in the Last of Us Part 2 because that was the goal starting out, and by the end of it, they're all just like, oh, Jesus. But then the part that I think is a little too glossy, but who am I to say? But, you know, they said, like, and Naughty Dog hasn't crunched since. They Did have, they really say that? Yeah, where it's like, we're, we're not bringing... They're, they're like, we're not, well, they say, like, we're not bringing dinners in 
anymore. Yeah, so now I'm just hungry. Like no, no, like, no. But also, it's like <laughs> well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They haven't shipped a big new yeah. game. Obviously, there's the remaster, and that that's a lot of work, no doubt. But like, they haven't shipped a game since then. Like, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But it's it's interesting to see one of the biggest studios renowned for their extreme crunch tackle it in this documentary as much as they did. I do think it was. It was worth watching. Yeah, they, they explicitly talk about wanting to, I guess we kind of just, you know, end things here. It's kind of also the trajectory of the documentary, but talking about how negative the, so postmortems, for those who don't know that language, it's when right. you're sort of looking back on a project and you're surveying your employees, maybe doing a meeting like, hey, how'd it go? That's what a postmortem is. So they had feedback go out for this game and they said it was like terrible. Like everyone, not, again, kind of being exaggerated, but like everyone did not have a good time on this kind right. of thing. Like it was overwhelmingly negative uh post-mort feedback um they mentioned that that they do have a reputation for crunching and that when they onboard people they like explicitly tell them like in the hiring process hey like we're not trying to be known for that um they have the system of quote if you feel over you're overworked or like overboard with your work you have to tell someone that's tough because i do think that puts the onus on the workers is the thing like i it's well I mean, it is, it's crunch is a complicated thing it but is, I, and it, it, I feel yes. like i've a lot of people have said that and it's like, mm, okay, I don't no, know. But there's, there's a fascinating line in there too, where a developer says like, I wish I just had, they said literally like, I wish I just had yes. like a big brother or somebody to tell me that I could go home or that I should go home right now. It's like, that's such a, but what are those people doing though? Are they going home? Right. That's the thing. So right. it's like, I don't know. It's like, you well, know, that seems like, again, what the hell, who are we? Uh, to understand that development, but it is interesting just to be like, yeah, that I think that's the role of a producer or somebody else in the studio. But it's interesting, like, if only there was a big brother in this studio. It's such an interesting. Yeah, that was prior though. But yes, they 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 touch on a lot of things, but none of it is like very in depth. But all of it is interesting. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a solid uh solid look. Um, hey Jeff, um, do you know how this whole thing operates? Patreon.com slash minmax. Whoa, and how do you spell that (laughs) hotshot? Mr. Two ends. Whoa, that's right. You go to your URL, and we got the domain for just NN. So if you just type that into any browser, it'll bring you to patreon.com slash minimax with two ends. Try it, Kyle. I dare you. If it's a porn site, I'll delete this part from this podcast. But NNinc.com, corporate headquarters, mobile solutions. Minmax is uh, a Charlotte, North Carolina based company. We love them. I don't have permission We're to moving. access the URL on the server. Oh boy. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Minmax with two ends, everybody. Go there, find a tier that's right for you. If you enjoy uh, all of our content, you can directly help support all of our content, uh, even at that $2 tier. Again, there's a lot of benefits. You can join the Deepest Dive on Rebirth. You can call into our 7 Rebirth show. Uh, you can submit questions for the podcast. Uh, join the Discord, which is lovely, even if they've been talking about a ton of video game crushes in the Discord this week, and it's overwhelming. But find the <laughs> tier that's right for you. Find something that's sustainable. We beg of you, and that helps keep us sustainable. And thank you, of course, to our dear friends and supporters for a big while. Uh, I'm 8-Bit. I'm Apit wants you to know about Day of the Devs. It is now, as Tim Schaefer talked about last week on this very podcast, it is now a 501c3. It is a nonprofit, and they're looking for your help. This is an awesome uh, event where they bring a bunch of developers, indie developers together to show off their games, intermingle, let people in the public come by and play these games, and they need help funding the next Day of the Devs because now it is a nonprofit. So they are currently accepting donations through February 29th. There's a $100 donation with a digital bundle option and $250 donation for 
a bunch of physical goodies. There's a bunch of good stuff in there. Uh, Day of the Dead mug, socks, and keychain. So find uh, a level that's right for you if you want to help support this awesome developer get-together. You can go to dayofthedevs.com for more. There's a link in the description for this. And you can just go to im8bit.com in general to check out their wonderful online store. I guarantee there's something in there that you will like. It is a cool store for nerds. So imapit.com, and you can use the promo code LeapfrogYear. LeapfrogYear, no space, for 10% off of everything under $100. Doesn't apply for pre-orders or Atlas stuff, but everything else, you can get 10% off thanks to imapit. And we beg of thee to please help support imapit because they rule, and they rule partly because they support the MinMax community in a big way by shipping out a prize to somebody from the community each and every week, whoever has the best question for the podcast this week, the question of the week, they will win a prize. And this week it is the Muppets Christmas Carol vinyl soundtrack. That rules. Uh, So look alive if you want to win this prize, everybody. All right, ready to go? Yeah, do it. Well, well, well. Look who's joining us for this community question segment. If you're listening to the audio version, uh, for the video version on YouTube, you can check it out for reference. But we now have the backstage pass chat joining us live. Uh, So if you're at that $10 tier on Patreon, you are going to be on the screen joining us and helping us answer community questions because they all do that all the time anyway in the backstage pass chat. So like, why not let them share it with the world, their answers to these questions? We're not the experts. They are. They should have the podcast. We should leave. Okay, here we go. Eric Zong writes in, says, in in the last week, many rumors have come out about Xbox releasing exclusive titles like Starfield, Halo, Indiana Jones, etc. on other platforms in the future. What do y'all think this means for Xbox as a platform moving forward? And what do you think this means for the industry as a whole? This is one of those things where it's like, okay, is this just some weirdo with a rumor about Xbox going quote-unquote third party and releasing a lot of their games? And then it feels like it's been picking up steam to the point of hysteria from what I can gather online from the discourse. I, I think, mean, I'm all for it. Like, yeah, I think what it means is Microsoft will make a lot more money. And yes, even like if the, they're diminishing the sales of their consoles. I, I guess, but it's like their their model now, business model is: Hey, when you buy an Xbox, you can get Game Pass and you can play all these games for free. And if you're not going to do that, then we'll charge you seventy dollars per game on the other console that you want to buy instead. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that's hurting them too much in the long run. If that's what they choose to do. Yeah. So it is. And and also, and also like we're going to release them, but we're going to do it a year later. Like, yeah, it is going to be weird. You know? And so, so all these rumors were bubbling, yada, yada, yada. Phil Spencer then sent out a tweet saying like, Hey, we're having a meeting next week at Microsoft about the future of what we're doing here. And we'll get back to you. Where it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> that does sound like there's there's something there. There's some meat on that bone. I mean, I mean, they're not total strangers to they've been publishing their games on other platforms forever. I mean, like, Kyle, I mean? We, we played Age of Empires 2 on the Nintendo DS. We understand uh, yeah, Banjo Racing on Game Boy Advance or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's weird stuff. But I mean, do you think predictions? I mean, two years from now, will we have Halo and Gears on PlayStation consoles? But yeah, I think so. maybe yeah, I think so. Let's yeah. Let me it let me. It depends on what they put say. Put a stamp down. Week. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if yeah. we're just basing it on now and the vibes. Like I mean, I don't. 
obviously something's up. I don't know if it is exactly what the rumors have stated or what they're how they're going to sell it to their audience as like, no, this is a good thing that you should be excited about. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe they I could see them. The only way I could see them having their cake and eating it, too, is if they do the kind of one year thing that like Jeff pointed out, which is like one of the rumors is like, oh, like for some of these titles, it'll be like way after the fact. Maybe you can have your cake and eat it too there, but like other than that, yeah, like I don't know if they're just gonna, you know, pivot and not do hardware in the same way that they did before. Yeah, I I don't know I don't know that they're not gonna do hardware, and I would backtrack a little and say like I don't know about Halo. Like you think they keep I, something I can see sacred. like like the Bethesda kind of level of yeah. hey these games used to be third party. We know we're gonna miss out on a lot of money if if we if we're not bringing them over. I'm not sure like. Halo, Gears of War, maybe they keep those a little closer to their chest. But that's such a weird thing. Of like these are the important things. But I mean, if Starfield's going over. That's that's huge. That's that's the big new Microsoft IP. If Indiana Jones is going over, that's huge. You, I mean, I mean, we can we can huge? call it the yes. big the new the big new Microsoft IP. But it's it's Bethesda IP. Like that. Yeah, still just true. feels like Bethesda. That's why it doesn't feel that huge to me. It, like Starfield is the first Xbox exclusive Bethesda game. Right? Yeah. So it's like this one's also not <laughs> is how I feel about it. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah. it's just this weird thing of like I guess people who refuse to buy a PlayStation are disappointed. I right? Is that that's kind well, of the, the vibe or to me though, the thing is like this points to what happened to the plan of like building up your exclusive library. Are we done with that plan? That's sort of the question that it invites to me yeah. that I'm like, well, what does what is your vision? Yeah, it's it's they, tricky. Their their lack of a vision is is certainly a thing. I it, I mean, it also the feels like just we're gonna sell games to whoever can buy them, and we don't. We'd rather sell. We make more money on games than hardware anyway. So let's just sell yes. that to more people. And to is be that fair, the vision though, or is that what's happening? And you're leaning further into it. Like what do you well, like? What I do mean, you want to do? What do you need to do? The vision is. I mean, do? Phil Spencer's like, been talking about it for years. Just like, hey, we want to get our games everywhere. If anybody wants to play our games, we want them to play it. Like that. That has been their messaging for a very long time. Even like, we did an interview with Matt Booty. Uh, from Microsoft years ago. And he even said that like, oh, after Psychonauts 2, like, yeah, Double Fine's games, I think, yeah, those will be on all platforms, you know? So it's not, it's not too radical like, of a shift, but it just feels like the, the big stuff feels so strange. Yeah, And they, they had to promise that for Activision stuff, you yep. know, that they, yep. that they would still be releasing it. It, I don't know. It, some of it just feels like, Hey, we can give all of that stuff. We can make all that stuff free on Game Pass if you if you pay us for our Game Pass, and that won't cost at us anything. We don't have to go to a third party and pay them to put it on Game Pass. Like it's just our stuff now. And but if you're not going to buy Game Pass, then then we'll sell it to you piecemeal on on whatever platform you want to play it on. Yeah. See, I feel like this is like Game Pass is going to be on everything. Would be the I just don't think Sony direction. would want it. I don't think my, or Nintendo would want it on there. I'm sure they would love to have it be some streaming option on the Switch and stuff, but I, just, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Victor Jesus Moreno writes in and says, Hey, y'all. Odd question. Can you please wax poetic about the Nintendo Wii for approximately three minutes? Okay. Start the clock. Wax poetic. The Wii. I, mean, I got to the Wii late in my life. I don't think I bought a Wii until like 2010, and I had a good time with the Mario Galaxy games. Yeah, I, I actually 
maybe the most like excited I, I was about like a, a video game sort of hardware thing is I, I remember I was so jazzed for the Wii. I totally bought into those early trailers of showing people doing different things with controllers. Like yeah. I was like, this is it. This is something different. This is crazy. This is like, this is the only place we're going to be able to have experiences like this. This feels genuinely new. And I remember working at a GameStop at the time and I remember the day the Nintendo, the local Nintendo representative brought in the Wii to play, right? Like the sort of the, the one that would ha- we would have in store. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, inc- I just remember like losing my mind being like, I'm going to be able to play this thing. This thing's not coming out for like another month, but I can actually try out the fishing in Twilight Princess. And I just, I, I just remember being like ecstatic about it. Like it was just, it was huge for me. I, I just was so excited. And like, and then those early, you know, those early, we sports uh, sessions with friends. Like I was there yeah. day one. Like I, I was, I had it on the day and I remember playing Wii sports like all day with friends and then being like, all right, everybody get out of here so I can just play Zelda the rest of the yep. night. And like, yep. I didn't sleep for like two days. And it was like, I really cherished that as like a gaming memory. Cause it, it really genuinely felt new and different. Like yeah. there was nothing else like it at the time. Yeah. We, we sports bowling was worth the price of admission. Yep. For, that that justified the entire console being able to like they everyone always mocked the commercials of like oh look at they're showing old people playing Wii or whatever hundred percent like taking that thing to like a Thanksgiving family yep. get together yep. everybody playing that instantly understanding it that that was that earned its its popularity no it it, it is wild like I mean you know I my parents now have my old Wii and like this doesn't mean anything, but like, Oh, it's by far my parents' favorite console. Like, Oh, they like that. But even, you know, within the last couple of years, we're still playing Wii sports on that original Wii, like over holidays with the family and everybody has a good time. Like it is, it yeah. is wild how successful that thing still can be. And it's like, well, this is just what video games should be. And it's tech from 2006, you know, this is the Wii, not the Wii U. Not this the Wii U. The question asked. Right. Okay. Right. I got right. nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're not waxing even a little bit poetic. Come on, that was three three. minutes, right? No, we hit hit two twenty. Yeah, no, I hated the way I thought it was ridiculous. But the control scheme, there were definitely some of the best software locked on terrible hardware. Hate the Wii. There's a reason we're talking about Wii Sports only, Janet. Yeah, what about Wii? No, no, Wii would stop me from playing video games for a while. Really? You were so disgusted. The Wii, like, I was like, I guess it's not for me anymore, and I walked away. Whoa. There are plenty of games that flew way too close to the sun who tried to sort of overextend with what the Wii could do with the motion controls. But, you know, as is the case, is like the Galaxy feels great with the motion controls. I love like swinging to do the like um, the the sort of spin jump. Um, and I really liked Twilight Princess. Like I, I there were I remember like fighting bosses and just being like, this is crazy. I can't believe like that. I'm getting to do this motion and, and play video games. But then also the whole vibe of the Wii just really worked for me. Like the virtual console is fantastic. The that music. was like a place where yep. like there were so many like uh, like games that I could they, that library was huge. And I played tons of games that way. I, I, I really enjoyed like the weird news channels and like the shop channels and all that stuff like and the, like, I, I actually, I really have a lot of affection for the Wii. I really did like that console a lot. It was the only place where everybody could vote. That's right. I, I voted on some stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Talon wrote in. They say, hey, Ben and the science loving cohorts. I'm a marine science teacher. And your question last week about what would happen if the moon suddenly disappeared made me think. I teach my kids 
uh, about marine physics and tides. If the moon blinked away, you may see some tsunami-type waves, but mostly just more dramatic high and low tides as the water shifts back and forth across the Earth until it settles. That is such a good visual. Uh, the main problem with the moon disappearing would be the negative effects it would have on marine creatures. Many creatures rely on phases of the moon to know when to spawn. This would lead to a drastic drop in many creatures over the course of a few years. You'd also have massive, you'd have a massive die-off in inner tidal zones as the lack of a tide would lead to a drastic change in their environment. Lastly, our weather would be destroyed. The moon largely feels the ocean currents and its disappearance would cause a shift in the Earth's tilt and most of the currents to stop or at least change dramatically. This would stop cool water from the poles being pushed towards the equator and would cause a drastic change in climates across the planet. Anyway, hope this makes the show better. And then Rabid Lime also replied and said, I'm a geologist here and I'm glad that you piped up. <laughs> so I like the scientists representing the Patreon comments there. Uh, yeah, you know, let's keep the moon. Yeah, let's keep it. you're staying moon. I don't care if you want to stay or not. You're sticking around, buddy. By, uh, by the way, to circle back on that question, which was uh, the original question for last year, was, how long would it take you to notice? Oh, yeah. Disappeared? Yeah. Years. Years. If, if it was not headline <laughs> news, I, I would never know. I would. There's no way I would ever notice that the moon was suddenly disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Never. Years? Well, you, you said in your thing that no one's allowed, like no one yeah. else thinks it disappeared. So why would I? <laughs> yeah, I, there's nothing. I would just be like, I, th yeah, the moon could be gone right now. And I wouldn't know for years. Like, I just I don't look up in the sky at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand what you're howling at. The Juan one writes, question for Janet. Rate Morgana as a cat in Persona 5 scale one to ten. Um, Three. Oh, bad cat, bad kitty. It's just, I mean, Morgana looks like a cat, but Morgana self-reportedly is not a cat. It is very insistent on not being a cat. Maybe like a four, because there is um, a scene where early on when you're like, Morgana comes back with you in more cat form. I guess Morgana can turn into a cat. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go middle of the road, five, because half okay. the time Morgana is a quite literal cat. And yeah. the other half, they're a cat looking creature who's insistent that they're not a cat. Right, right, right. So it's like, I don't know, you kind of lose points for that. Like, yeah. it's like, I know this self hating cat. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to roll with that energy, you know? It's a personality, certainly. Yeah. Um, but the I cat have, sleeps have, on you at one point, and that's nice. So. I have, uh, we have three pet cats here. One of them is named Mona after Morgana from Persona, Persona 5. And she is far and away the most difficult cat we've ever had. She's just very anxious and, and troublesome. It's bad. It's negative energy. Yeah. You know? Wait, Mona Morgana's is very Morgana? Tutorials. Yeah, it's like her code name, I think, in Persona oh, 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mona, her her full name is Mona Persona 5 yes. Royal. That's mm. her proper title on all her paperwork. Hey, you guys watch Past Lives? That's uh, uh, made up. It's uh, the Korean... I want to call it a romantic film, I suppose. Um, anyways, it's very good. Uh, it really rocked me. But there's a moment there where someone says that Nora is short for Leonor as a name. Is that true? <laughs> is that a thing? I've never connected those names in my life. Leonor? Hey, Channing Freeman wrote in, says, A while back on the podcast, there was a consensus decision among the cohorts to use the phrase rogue games to cut down on the confusing distinction between roguelikes and roguelites, but I haven't heard anyone use that descriptor since, and sometimes a contributor will still comment that they aren't sure which one to say when describing a game. Did I imagine this conversation? Is there any chance that Midmax will lead the, cha the charge in the industry by making the change to rogue game? Uh, yeah, look, even on this podcast, I blew it. I meant, yeah, there's going to be a, a Resident Evil Mercenaries rogue game. 
that's in development. We need to get back to that. You're right. I, I think that's more confusing. Like pick roguelike or roguelite. I don't care which one you do, but just saying rogue game is. We already went over this, Jeff. Confusing. We already went over this. It's locked. It's settled science. Uh, Rory, right. Rory Sublet writes in and says, what's the difference between a quest and a mission? Mm. Mm. A quest has a usually a defined like the quest is self-contained usually I would say and a mission well, is not self-contained. Is a continue it's self-contained, but it's a continued through line of like what your overarching goal is. Like maybe your goal is to like kill Bowser, and you have missions that lead into killing ba- Bowser. While a quest might be just to get a you know a certain coin or get enough coins to like open up this like. A side hut or something. I don't know why I use this example, Ooh, but I think, I think wait, that's so made all that up. But I like it. So I like is the answer a mission is murder, and a quest is everything else. I think you can have a quest to kill because it could be like, hey, kill this thing for me and come back. Oh, well, okay, but okay, so mission is now killing a specific character. No, no, no. I think about like well, your goal I, doesn't always have to be to kill. <laughs> yeah, think about like the IMF, Kyle. Mission Impossible. Sometimes they're just trying to it's always, secure a knock list. Game Kyle's in, he's, he's on the hunt. The mission is to kill Bowser. The quest is to get coins along the way, right? Rory Sublet Stuff says like that, Rory's theory <laughs> is: is it that if you're using swords and magic, it's a it's a quest, but if you're using guns, it's a mission? No, <laughs> that sounds good enough <laughs> no. for me. I, so There's little so little quests make up the mission. That's your idea, Janet. It's um, quest, quest, quest. Mission is the overarching thing. I don't know. I, I see it as a quest is like a side. It, it, usually they're like side content for that reason. Like that's why they're called side quests. It's like they're diff- sure definitively like so. There's a denotative and a connotation here. Denotively, a quest could be within a mission. A denotation means like the dictionary definition, while the connotation is the implication. Um, and I think a lot of times people want to point. Shut to up, Harvard! What are you, like, <laughs> this is so fancy oh, this stuff. Is, um, I'm sorry. I'm like thirty five thousand dollars in debt and like an extra ten k <laughs> on my dad. I'm gonna use the degree, okay? <laughs> I just think you're, you're excuse me. Up the wrong I will take degree. my full time. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up on the denotation as like, well, no, this is what it means because it's what we said. But I think we live in a world of connotation, right? It's like, what does the, what's the takeaway and the vibe? And to me, the vibe of a quest is it's usually a self-contained quick beginning quick end now sometimes quests can connect and there can be a bit of a quest line but i would say a mission is more of that overarching holistic goal right you might have a goal to i, I don't know Janet. meet I, up with someone you sound so you confident like in this i i no i just feel like quest defeat ganon isn't that what it says in breath of the wild you know what i mean, I mean? It, it is actually. but it, it could have said mission no it couldn't have said mission that would have felt weird I think mission feels a little bit more. Um, it feels less whimsical than quest. You're using I think a they're using it, it simply because Rory's of the conno- I think again they're looking at connotation, saying we want to create a world that has whimsy and sort of this magical fairy tale look. So quest fit that, while mission feels very far cry. Like I guess that's kind of to that person's point. Like they think missions are like guns, and quest is fantastical. But I feel like in Final Fantasy you do missions. Like I don't think I'm going on quests. And it's right. still a very magical game. So no, because Barrett like, has a gun. He does have a gun. Is that why it's a mission? <laughs> yeah. Is, it, yes. is it more, f- is it just fantasy and modern? Like take, take, don't worry if there's magic in the world, but is, is quest just more fantasy oriented and mission is more modern, <gasps> modern. Ooh, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Quests are like, D&D inspired or old mythology like King Arthur would have a quest. The quest for the Holy Grail, that that's a huge thing, Janet. That's not a mission. I mean, so here's the thing. Whereas milita- military is a mission. 
So it's just two starting points. It's like quest is from old mythology. Mission is from the history of the military. And then those two are both important to video games. Therefore, it's a weird mix. I think I think both are pretty valid interpretations. And I like both of them for different reasons. I would argue, though, that at least for me, if we're going on the verses, like if they both exist within a game, I would expect the mission to be bigger than the quest. Hmm. Yeah. Is a mission given to you by a boss and a quest something you have to do in your heart? No. No. <laughs> I, feel, no I feel like a little bit. How I dare do you? That whimsy. I like the, um, I think you guys are right and the person that wrote it is right in that when a game only picks one is often based on the vibes of that game. Mm-hmm. But I think when a game has both in them, I do think the mission is the main one and the quest is like a side thing. Yeah. Is it a mission or a quest if I'm feeling the guilt and I feel like I should apologize to you for saying shut up when you're in the middle of a sentence, Janet? Is that a mission or a quest? We need more of the FU energy, you know? Oh, really? Like, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. This is wow. your truth. You she felt that in your heart, and I felt something else in my heart. Which I is didn't like, like hearing you say the word connotative, so I guess that doesn't Look, I'm coming for whatever. I forgot who Nelnet owns my loan now. $6,500 is the highest one. I'm shooting to knock it out this year. All we'll right. see. That's your mission. Like and subscribe. We'll see if we is can knock this out. Like and subscribe. Lucas writes in and they subscribed in and they say, Hey, Ben and the MinMaxers, as this is, is there something here? They say, as a non native English speaker, I'm always struck by how, especially Americans, speak with their throat when finishing a long argument. It's as if their air is running out and the voice gradually lawyer, lawyers, lowers, being processed mainly through their throat. Have you ever noticed that? And that's from Lucas in Brazil. Other I'm people keep an ear out for it now. I don't know if I've ever noticed it. But, I don't really yeah. know what he's talking about. John writes in, they say, Janet makes the show better. We'll be damned. I recently oh, learned that Janet's review website is called Pen Two Pixels, not Panda Pixels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh Tokyo Game Life writes in, they say, question for Kyle. Do you predict that Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door on Nintendo Switch in 2024 will score higher? In Game Informer, than the original score of a six point seven five. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't know if I we we've we don't know how we're gonna approach that, but it will, it'll get a review. I think the answer is yes. Yeah, probably. Will you yeah. acknowledge? Hey, do you want to review it? Are you? Available? I would love to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I I mean, it would honestly, Kyle. If the first review I ever wrote in my life was for Thousand Year Door, that would be freaking awesome. I would love to do that. I would love yeah, to do let that. Me message Brian Shea. Let's get it going. No, don't go that far. Um, <laughs> will you reference it? Do you think will the person reference it because it's the most iconic wrong Game Informer review ever? <laughs> will they reference it? I yeah, I don't know. What Honestly, it's, it's kind of an old story. I don't know if a lot of people know that history at this point. Uh, yeah. But my my preference would be to call it out. I think it would be fun I and interesting. Be f- yeah, why not to do that? Yeah. What's the downside in doing it? You know. So what's the beef? Like you guys didn't like it, and everyone thinks it's really good. Well, it's before all three of ours time, but Game Informer. Wait, you were not like there. No, no, years. I wasn't. No, yeah, we're not associated yeah, Jeff, with you this. You weren't there either, right? Uh, no, no. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. It, it, Wait, this is the internet, so you guys didn't like it, right? Just to be right. clear. Right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, no, the Game Informer review was low. I think it was a 675, yeah. right? And it was like, it was a, a very, it was a, a very controversial thing at the time and continuing for many years. Because the reviewers at the time jumped into the forums to try and argue this back in 2003, 2004, whatever. Yeah. And they said, no, 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 no. We like the game. This is just the score that we think other people will like it at. 
I was like, what? Ooh. That's the wrong way. To- oh, my God. So then it was just like, just- what is going on? That's a scary thing that I know. I'm, that's I know. wild. Now, that's the story. Y'all buried the lead. <laughs> that is. It's some good Game Informer gossip. Did- and oh and I think it was like, you this know, is like the, the most upsetting thing I've heard since Kyle said that you're skipping cutscenes <laughs> in Infinite Wealth, which I know it, it was just one on a quest or yeah, a mission no, we, or whatever. We've all but- had to live with it for years, uh, us three. <laughs> Ooh, where we even started? Kyle, Kyle. Get yes. the game's original reviewer to review it again. Look into it. Yeah, but I did like we did that podcast back at Game Informer on the Game Informer show with Andy Mack and Reiner going through all of Game Informer's history, and I think Andy Mack brought it up at some point. And in a very Andy Mack way, he's like, "Yeah, you know, if y'all want to scream at me the internet about fucking Paper Mario Thousand Year Door or whatever, you can put it on my fucking tombstone. I don't care." <laughs> you still, you can still pull that uh, impression wow. out, and it's really good. Honestly, see, like, I feel like in that you went up. Going back to that other comment about the throat thing, oh, like I feel yeah. like people go up when they're like ranting. That's an but Andy exclusive. It's an Andy though. rant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I go up yeah. too. So I don't know. Uh, Kyle McCauley writes in and they say, "I've been a huge fan of the Yakuza, like a Dragon series, as well as the Shenmue series, and the shared DNA between the two franchises. Sinking my teeth into Infinite Wealth has me considering what a remake or new entry into the Shenmue series would be like if it was developed by RGG Studios." Now this is a great question. So it does have that weird shared history where I'm sorry I forgot their name, but what the original. Uh, lead creator of Yakuza worked on Shenmue and those games are weirdly similar except now one of the franchises is a juggernaut and the other is begging maybe for a fourth entry at some point down the road the end of story <laughs> Everyone well, the question your is homes. like do we want a remake from RGG of Shenmue I think it'd be fascinating don't you think that'd be cool yeah I guess I don't know I mean I I I have a weird relationship with Shenmue where at this point I have played all three of those games and not really particularly liked any of them. Um, yeah, because I played them Perfect. out of time. And but that but that being said, I, a lot of the charm would be lost uh, for that game if it became too self-serious. I feel like I, I it, like I don't know if it would work. I, I, I think they can make it work. They could they could yeah. make goofy and serious Shenmue split. Like those mini games are silly. Like there's enough in there. But I, would, I mean, I'd love to see it as just a concept. It's like it's like you need to can you make a boring game in 2024 or whatever, you know, because it they the made one with Shenmue 3. That game, what'd you say? I said they made Shenmue one with Shenmue 3, 3 not that long ago. <laughs> Because the weird charm of that game is like you live a life, including all the things that are kind of dull about it, where like you will play multiple days where maybe nothing happens. And it's like some people really love that. And it's interesting. But yeah, I don't know if would that work. I think there is enough. Weird, there's enough weird DNA overlap in those two series, though, yes. that like if they made a new like a dragon game and it's like, hey, you're just slowly living your life and you can open every cupboard and look through it and just live in this cozy home in Japan. People would dig that, you know? Yeah, you're probably... Yeah, it, but, it, was, a, it was a weird moment where I was playing uh, Infinite Wealth, and it was one of those chase sequences with quick yeah. time events, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, we're in Shenmue. Right, like, right. I didn't know this does, was in here. <laughs> what a weird moment like, I'm having. But you know, like the forklift minigame, you'd be like doing backflips on the forklift and crap. It's, yeah, it'd be better. I don't know that they would scale that down if they could contain themselves. Right, um, right. It's a different kind of weird Yakuza in in Shenmue. We did ask when visiting the studio for Shenmue 3, we asked Yu Suzuki if he'd ever want to see a crossover between Shenmue and Yakuza. And he said no. (laughs) So 
know. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed pretty different. It's like, hey, this is kind of the offshoot of your child. I'm not associated with that. I'm not associated with the good one, he said. Um, <laughs> sorry, Shepard fans. Uh, Lynn wow. wrote in and says, I am a Swede. Congratulations. Traveling in New Zealand and keeping up with MinMax. That's the life, baby. Uh, the time zones are throwing me off, though. For example, I was one day early to the state of play. I'm sorry. This is an interesting question. Lynn says, has any game used time zones? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I know we're, so. we're, we're talking about it. It's like a, a dragon. Today, but infinite wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but does it I'm not that far in? Have they yes. mentioned time zones? Yes. Oh, okay. That's good. There's a moment where you call someone in Japan and you have to be like, oh, wait, it's the middle of the night over there. Is you it know, a cutscene? Like uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Te- yes. Mm. Yeah, kind of, okay. I suppose, yeah. But, yeah, but it, I, yeah. I feel like the spirit of the question was more like you have to do time zone math in your yeah. head yeah. for some kind of gameplay it, mechanism. It is not a mechanic. Yeah. In infinite wealth. It's just it is referenced, which I like. It's like the same deal of like uh, changing your currency when you come to Hawaii. Yep. Like it's that kind of acknowledgement of like, oh, right. We live on Earth. <laughs> that's how these things work. Yeah. People in the chat are pointing out Animal Crossing. I would say that's more of a oh, weird IRL use of that's more like real time, like real as in the Earth time, not like real time combat. Um, I think what the, I felt like what the question was getting at is what y'all alluded to, which is needing to you know, show up at a certain place at a certain time and you needing to be like, oh, wait, but mm-hmm. let me look at my Google Calendar, which maybe the reason they haven't done that is because it's not enjoyable to do. It's not fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. so to, in developer's defense, yeah, maybe not, but it would be kind of interesting. I don't know. It may, again, maybe too simmy where it's uh, like, yeah. now it's annoying. I, I'm into There's it, though. Pokemon Sun and Moon. I don't know if you guys remember, or correct me if I'm wrong, maybe chat knows. I believe if you play Pokemon Sun... It, the 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 day night cycle reflects yes. the the it's, real world. It's inverse. But if you play moon, yeah. it's opposite, right? Yeah. That's not really time. Which zone, is something I when that. I was reviewing that game, I didn't realize till like halfway through the game. I was like, why is it always nighttime when I'm playing? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's because I'm playing during the day. That's, and that's then cool. I remember there was a moment right near the end where you have to be somewhere at a certain time. Like we got to come here during the day. And I was like, I'm playing pokemon moon i gotta wait till like 9 p.m tonight to play this but thankfully it just sort of fast forwarded and i was like no no you don't actually have to do that you remember how good team skull was in that game they just had their <laughs> stupid song and like their was good. stupid like hip-hop moves god team skull rules sun and moon was good i like sun and moon was so good yeah that's funky yeah like like it was so weird just collecting the pokemon for just navigating the space you know it's like instead of having hms like oh here's just a tauros but you just ride them around for a while but you can't have them in combat like it's such a weird split but it was cool to in theory get rid of gym leaders for like a different structure overall even though it's kind of pretty much the same thing um anyways death stranding too i could see using time zones if you're traveling beyond mexico and stuff like trying to that's got to be a factor that's the most likely contender uh steve Lucian writes in uh hey everyone i'm planning to do a trip uh to japan potentially for next year and it got me thinking What's your favorite country that you visited and what place do you visit the most? My favorite place was Iceland because it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen and Japan is the place I want to visit the most. Yeah, Japan's definitely the best country I've ever visited other than good old US of A. But um, <laughs> and I've been there 10 times, so maybe maybe that would be number one. Canada probably would top it. But what do you guys I, think? Yeah, I mean, I've been two drastically different countries. <laughs> They're both very but friendly. Canada would probably top it. You can no, no, go no, to no, Canada no. Yeah, in for two like, hours. Yeah, for like the number of visits, I guess, you know. But I think of like work oh, trips okay. specifically and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
But was the question which one you wanted to visit the most or which What's one you have visited country? the most? What's your favorite country that you visited and what place do you want to, which visit one do you most. like the really? most? What place you want to visit the most? <clears throat> Not what place you have visited yeah. the most. I'm going to read this question. My favorite, my favorite was Japan. <laughs> I want to visit Italy the most. Oh. Also, we sound like we're in second grade right now. <laughs> I want to go here. I want to go here. Visit Italy. I haven't been to too many countries. I think I got to give it to Mexico just for the culture, okay. you know? Like, I've been to Paris as well, but I'll give it to Mexico. The pyramids are really fun to see and, like, the different structures. Like, I have, you know, family there. So, like, seeing, you know, family history stuff was really cool. Um, place I want to go to the most, I guess probably also Japan. Or I guess, I don't know, I, I guess it might be Japan, but I, I'm correct. really interested in Italy, too, because I, I love art, and I just want to check out the art yeah. and eat. Um, Just go to a little Italy. I think you'll get the idea. Is it weird? I want the I, museums, is the thing. Like, I'm a, I, I'm a museum stan for real-life museums, not in games. In yep. games, they suck. Yep, I'm with you. Well, no, I like every version of museum, actually. The, um, we'll talk. I, I don't know. It's such a weird <laughs> thing. I don't know if you have people in your lives like this, but I was talking to my dad not too long ago. And he's like, you know, he's a hip dude, but he's never left the country. Mm. And I'm like, don't, don't you just want to go see what's going on in Asia at some point in your life? You're getting up there, old timer. And he's like, no, I'm good. I, I like the woods of Minnesota. I'm good here. And it's, it's such an interesting take. Like, I can't imagine that take, but I'm guessing there's a lot of folks out there who are just like, no, I, I don't need to see what's going on in this side of the world. I think I get the idea. You're only, hey, guys. You only live once. You should go see Asia. Agreed. Hold for yeah. applause. Okay. All right. Cool. A hot take. Thank you. Where do you guys actually travel to the most, though? I guess I'm not allowed to ask a question. I always feel like it's illegal to ask you guys a question because I didn't write in on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, but. it, it should be. We it didn't thumb be. that question. So Yeah. It's like no one wants to answer this trash question. But where do you guys visit the most? Because I feel like that's like I'm. Like, I think I go to Target? Buffalo the most, which is like, you know what I mean? Like, it, for region, not for store. Wait, what's the question? Where do we visit where do the you, most? Where do you visit the most? Like, where have you been the most outside of, like, your home city? Oh, like, not country, but just area. Yeah, like a, like a region. California. Just for work stuff. It's not, yeah. no offense, Jan, it's not very exciting, but it's just California. No, I mean, because, well, that's the thing. Like, the, I think it's funny that the place you end up going to that you visit the most is usually like, at least for us, I think it's going to be work or maybe family, like Buffalo mm -hmm. for family, mm -hmm. or I'm in San Francisco because I keep going there for work or Seattle. Awesome city, but I'm usually there for work. Yeah, yeah, Seattle would be up there. Yeah, if you, if you would you accept just generally up north? As an answer, That's northern Minnesota. Big. <laughs> northern Minnesota is like where we take family vacations. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it, no, but it kind of hops around. But otherwise, it would have to. I'd have to go by work, and then it would L.A. Which when you said up north, I thought you meant like of the country. I'm like, I got to narrow it down. <laughs> northern continent. Uh, northern Minnesota. At some point, we'll do a video exploring it because it's it's good, you guys. Um, Ellie Medina. Funky cold themselves. They say, yo, uh, I work at Chipotle and I've been asked on numerous occasions to make unholy burrito amalgamations that consist solely of sauce. Yes, sauce first and the most voluptuous scoops of cheese known to man <laughs> with a side of seven vinaigrettes and a tortilla on the side with the burrito. 
Okay, is this just one person asking for that every time? I do. And it's I like, imagine. oh God, here comes that one person. And it should be tased walking through the door. Um, have you all ever had to deal with wacky customer orders working in the restaurant industry? I've never worked at a restaurant. Yeah, I've uh, never. But I, I want people to write in if you have worked in a restaurant with the wacky wrong orders that these freaks are asking for. I think that stuff's fascinating. I get... um. On the other side of it, I frequently get just McDonald's uh, with just cheese on it, no meat, because my kid's a vegetarian. Oh, no. And that's, I, I, I it, it, it's always a weird conversation to try to order it. <laughs> like, I have to use the app exclusively just to, like, avoid explaining the situation to anybody. And one time, they just gave me, like, a burger, like, you know, the, the cardboard thing that a burger comes in with just a piece of cheese on it. Like that's how misinterpreted it got. It was just like a cardboard box with a single slice of cheese. How much did they charge? How much did they charge you for that single slice of cheese? I oh. don't remember, but I, I it was one of those things. I went through the drive thru and got home, and then pulled it out of the box. I uh, pulled out of the bag, you know. And I was just like, "Oh my god, what happened?" Is <laughs> that stupid? Meme. So, oh. but it, is is the way that it's supposed to be just a bun with a piece of cheese in it? It's like grilled cheese, basically. You know, okay. <laughs> but a hamburger. I guess. Cheese. I guess when you say it that way, <laughs> I get it. I mean, if if the family's going to McDonald's and you have a vegetarian kid, there's like there's not that many options at McDonald's. Burger King has a veggie burger that's quite good, but McDonald's yeah. doesn't. You know, so is it that stupid meme? And yet of you like, still drag her to McDonald's instead. Well, she likes that cheese sandwich. I don't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she don't have a it? big palate. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah, they're, that is they're true. very simple. You guys remember that dumb jokey meme internet thing where it's like the Domino's order that you could do online and you could select things to make a pizza and somebody ordered a pizza that was none pizza with left beef and then, and then like the picture of what the, what they actually shipped out is like I don't know is this what you want Some when you selected none pizza right? left beef there you go that's good stuff yeah. uh, Tom wrote in and says hey Min Maxers oh, by the way I'm not a crazy uh, deranged order person at restaurants I, I don't want no trouble in any restaurant but Lian Chin, you got those around the country, right? I know it's a Minnesota-based uh, restaurant, uh, but it's a Chinese. Of, for those who it's don't Chinese, know, right? thank you. Yeah. And it always frustrates me because I just want sesame chicken with white rice. But there's always this annoying thing where it's like you need to get two different types of things that they shove into the bowl. And so every time it's an issue where they're like, "Okay, what what do you want for your second thing?" I'm like, "No." I, no, I just want sesame chicken and white rice. Like, that's a meal to me. I just have to do this thing of like, just give me double the sesame chicken, but it's always confusing. It's like, it's just a gross back and forth you have to have, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's only where you guys are. Yeah, okay. That's I like looked at a map and it's like, it's just where y'all are at. Yeah, it ain't it's, else. it's so good. Tom writes in and says, hey, man, Maxers, whenever I have the chance to recommend office gear, I favor buying a monitor arm to free up desk space and get more flexibility in screen placement. It's especially helpful when using a small desk. Are there any must-have additions or upgrades to your home office slash PC setup that you'd recommend checking out? This seems like a um, Janet-ass question. Especially for um, short people, because I'm five feet tall. Um, some type of footrest. So you can kind of mm, get okay. like more ergonomic positioning when you're in your chair. Oh, do I say one? Hold on. I think so. You... What does it say? Are, are we all pulling up? H U A N. Jeff, you got to take it out of the wrap. Well, what are you doing? Yours is a different brand. It's yours my, is like Bliss yeah. Trends well, or Blizz something. Mine's Trends. I don't know. H U A N. So it's just something cozy to put your foot on. Mine's Comfy Life. Yeah, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. At least I'm sure there's other things that 
That's interesting. I have that useful. A head headphone holder is also really nice for. Oh, that's interesting. I have one like where I clip my headphone like under the desk, which is kind of nice. So that's mine, yeah. but it goes it goes o- over. I wish mine was under. Oh, weird. Uh, remind me to get that. We could probably use it for the studio, Jeff. Instead of that weird mess of everything going on underneath that studio table at the moment, it's really the dark belly of everything happening. Why am I supposed to be the one? Just if you could just remind me about those headphone holders. That'd be uh, I, I wanted to give a shout out to Janet. If you stream games, um, this was the best <laughs> advice I ever got, uh, is just get an Aver brand, uh, you know, like capture card, internal capture card. Like I had so much trouble with those freaking Elgados really? in my life, trying to figure out pops and clicks and all this other troubleshooting crap. And... I put that thing in, in like two minutes, it has never given me any kind of yeah. problem. I open up Streamlabs, it's automatically up and running. I just, I plug something, like I plug in, you know, a console into it, and as soon as I turn on my TV, it'll pop up on the second monitor, just always ready to go. Um, it's perfect. I love it. Uh, for New Show Plus this week, what won the poll was recreating the MinMax studio in House Flipper 2, and it was Jeff and Janet and Sarah. It was a fun stream. I, I watched the whole thing, and it's just so weird to watch. Did you people. die inside again? I, I was afraid. I, I, knew you'd watch I was too very I'm worried. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine, Jeff. I'm, I. It's not as bad. I was worried, but <laughs> as previous things that we. It's we've not discussed. as bad as bad show idea or bad idea show. <laughs> new show plus. Should we fully pull back this curtain? I had a weird heart to heart with Jeff um, after my paternity leave because there was a whole series about like. Ben's new show plus ideas and like roasting them and all that stuff. And again, I want to be very clear, all fine and good. I don't want to be someone weird that's like, you can't make fun of me. But there is just one episode of it where I talked to Jeff about it. I was like, this one just hurt a little bit. And and, and Jeff, Jeff, literally, he said, he's like, well, and, and to be fair to me for being sensitive about this in a very Neil druckmann way, I said, I'm not asking for an apology. I, that is the last thing I want is an apology for you doing a funny video. Like, absolutely not. Um, and then Jeffum said, he goes, look, it's not like we were saying your ideas were like bad ideas. And then I said, Jeffum, you literally made a thumbnail where the text on the thumbnail that says Hanson's bad ideas. You, okay. We all know what the thumbnail game is like, though. Come sure, on. Sure, yeah. sure. You, told, you clicked on it, didn't you? I certainly did. You clicked did. on it. If you had something that said Janet's bad ideas, you'd freaking click on it. Yeah, I felt yeah, very man. bad about that. I know. Because like, that go on I, Reddit. You'll see plenty of posts about my bad ideas. <laughs> I, I, in, I instantly empathized with the, um, like, First time new new father of a newborn, like 10 out of 10 stress when that if something like that hits you in, in the wrong way. Uh, and, and again, you guys were totally in the right doing it. And I, I was trying to be a good sport. It was just like I felt like, look, I didn't talk to Sarah about this, but I felt like Jeff is a good guy for pulling aside for like, I'm just having a tough time emotionally with that video. And it just really rocked yeah. me emotionally in a really weird way. And my, yeah, you have those moments. Yeah, as a as a new new. So how did you take the sure. studio? Because I felt as oh, when we were making it, I was like, "Don't worry about me. Don't Ben's worry about me." I'm gonna watch this and be- Yeah, I, I'm not gonna be pissed. It would take a lot to really piss me off for that type of thing. What pissed me off royally though was you guys recreating the studio, and it wasn't pissed. I was just like, "What are you guys doing?" I then went to the YouTube transcript to search. How many times did they use this word? Because you complained. Everyone complained about the TV being offset. And at a weird angle from the table, and you used the word offset like eight times and how bad it was. And I went over to the studio, like, am I high? It's like, no, the TV is 
perfectly parallel and it? lined up. <laughs> is exactly. it small though? Because it, I stand by the fact take that, a, that thing's Take the like. camera over there right now. I don't, think, I, think I'll, I don't think I don't think I did take a picture of it because I was like, do oh, I yeah, need yeah. to like? Can you like send it on something? I'll put it up for the video version. I'm like, offset my butt. <laughs> it's the least offset. Like, it is, it is small so though, fun. right? Because it looks small. How many inches is that thing? Because it's got to be like thirteen. Come on, pushing now. seventeen. Come on, I, please. I think it. I think it feels offset because you you walk into the room right. like you had to right. you had to there's a clearance there so it, it does feel like it's over to the side in, in terms but of but for where the you table it is completely but i think the table is probably oriented <laughs> but i like Ooh, that says they want a pissy zone where you just say how you really feel yeah like let's unpack some things that's just for jeffem jeffem just gets it in private the time. calls let's go <laughs> i don't have a real job this is all i have let's let's talk say, about i don't it. know if i have the time this episode's going quite long <laughs> let's no, keep going fair. podcasting is fun <laughs> i mean like new show plus idea ben unearths <laughs> Something so low tells us how he really feels. No, I think yeah, it's, it's people would vote on that though, just so you know. They would, it would be fine, it'd be fine and not very funny. Uh, Bob Beale writes in and says, Uh, do you think you'll ever hold an actual NES controller in your hands ever again for the rest of your life? Of course, I think so. Yeah, in my mind, it's like, Of course, but maybe it's just NES controller, point. yeah. No. You'll die before you touch an NES controller again, Janet? I'll be honest. I don't know if I've ever held an NES controller. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Like a real one? Like not like an 8-bit dough. No offense to 8-bit dough. They make great products. But like a real one? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I probably did at some point. But like I didn't have an NES. And frankly, I don't plan on getting one. Like for what? Like like what's out there that I need to hit up? You know what I mean? Oh, don't get us started. That I can't hit up up somewhere else Mm -hmm. very easily. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Kyle, like, will yeah. you hold an NES controller? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, no I don't that's want surprising. To, I, it's all pointy too. It, look, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's the only f- like if you went to I, a if you went to a half price book and they just had a controller there as they often do. You're not going to pick it up and press the buttons. Press those little red buttons. Yeah, I guess. I was just trying to think of like because like I have the Super Nintendo, the classic, the mini. Yeah, and I'll plug that in once in a blue moon and mess around with it. But I don't have an NES one of those. That would be about the I have only the mini thing. Too, yeah. Yeah, that I think that would have me pick up an NES controller. But yeah, yeah I don't know. You know, when I, when I said the NES controller was dog, I was mistaken. It's actually it's the best controller and it's super comfortable. Oh. It, you're a real gamer only if you think that it's the only controller I want to use the rest of my life. Good fodder for tell us how you really feel. Yeah. On the new show plus. I just remember. There's ta- so much to talk about. We've talked about too much, but I just remember being in an argument at Gaming Forum where we were ranking the best controllers of all time, and everyone was. Super Nintendo was like number two. I was like, you guys are out of your mind. The, 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 the Super Nintendo controller is fine. It, the NES controller is terrible. Uh, no, I, I hear you, but good. Super Nintendo controller is unquestionably less, com- less comfortable than like the Duke. Like everyone hails it as the worst controller ever, but it's like oh, I hate one that. is actually yeah, comfortable in your hand I'll and the other the one's Super a stupid flat weird thing. Uh, if you didn't grow up with that, it's I'm just saying stupid. it's not... It's not a great feeling controller. It's not a comfortable one to grip for a long time. Is my two, goal to Two play. sounds high is the thing. Was this all controllers that exist? Yeah, right. They're wrong. That's too, kind of ridiculous. Like, There's <laughs> nostalgia in that. That's yeah, in that nostalgia makes you sure, dumb but, is my argument. But also, Super Nintendo controller feels really good. And it's great. It's nice. It's all curved. the type of games that you were playing. Yes. Smooth. More comfortable. The Nintendo Smooth, Ben. <laughs> That's what you've been wanting. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good memory. Uh, Brian W. Game alert. This is a game about games. This is so good. What if a classic, what if classic board games were named like video games? Can you guess these classic board games slash card games based on this subtitle? So if board games and card games had a subtitle, 
This is what I'm reading, and you need to guess what classic board game card game it is. Here we go. The Battle of the Royal Guard. Risk? Chess. Chess. Come on. Oh. Kyle, sit down before you fall down. Sorry. This is tricky. The Pair That Got Away. Risk? <laughs> <laughs> the Pair That Got Away? Yeah. P-A-I-R or P-E-A-R? <laughs> you know. Why do you act like you got an answer for you? <laughs> because let's be real. Because Pair of the Fruit could be like Candyland or something. Some kid's game. It's it's you know? apples to apples. and Yep. The Pair, P-E-A-R. No. Um, this is this one's hard. Uh, it's a game that you play a lot with kids. It's a fun phrase to say more than it's a more fun game to play. Go fish. Go fish. Go fish. Oh, there go we go. Fish. This is interesting, but I think it's correct. From rags to riches. Monopoly. Monopoly. No. Risk. Catan. No. It's not so much riches as you become royalty, and it's very important to become royalty in this game. Checkers. Yes, Jeff. Um. Yes. Mm. The chain of command. Risk. <laughs> if you miss, if you miss the risk question. It's not Stratego. It's not risk. It's not Stratego, and no one on Earth knows what Stratego is. Can you say it again? What was the chain, chain of command? Telephone. No, um, it's oh. truly one of the most played games on Earth. Iconic game. You talk about number Chess? one. No, number one pack-in game of all time, if you want to consider it that. This is number one by a mile. By a mile. The chain of command. As a command is about strict order of things. Make things go in a certain order. Shoots and ladders. <laughs> if you manage to beat this game in the most iconic version, you're greeted with the greatest victory end sequence of all time, and it feels like it's going to break your computer with how many... Solitaire? There we go! Solitaire was their Chain idea. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, ultimate Grid Commander. Battleship. Battleship. Oh. A Pebble's Journey Back Home. Moncala. Rock deliveries for us. <laughs> Moncala is correct. Way to go. Oh, okay. uh, I love that. That's a very smart game, Brian W. Uh, all right. What do y'all like for question of the week? And back to passers, you weigh in more than ever now. Um, I liked Wax and What are you talking about how much you hate that video that Jeffa made? And that it. Oh, um, house that. flipper. PC, and before that, we were talking setup. about oh office stuff. And yeah. I guess like Ben's like, you want to talk about offices? I got some office. words about offices. Yeah, I there got go. Office recommendations. Notes. Question I, of the week. I also like the quest versus mission. I like that too. It's uh, a really yeah, good yeah. week. Half an hour. Yeah, I like waxing product about the Nintendo Wii. I like the moon explanation again. Quest versus mission. Time zones was also <sighs> time cool. zones and um, region was solid. Region was solid. Where you visited or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, don't. In my mind, don't overlook that game. Like I like, I like the subtitle classic game thing. Oh yeah, Jeffem did clean up too. So. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Backstage pass. Let us know. Otherwise, are we are we as a group leaning office setup for making the show I, I'm better? Sorry, I'm laughing at Jawar Hello saying, "Oh yeah, Janet's We Hate was great," and I just like <laughs> the idea of one of the channels being We Hate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my Nintendo podcast where we drag all of Nintendo's decisions throughout the years. We welcome to we hate it, Janet. Which question made the show best? I'm sorry, it's we hate you. That's um, the name of that podcast. I think I gotta go I'm quest sorry. versus mission. Yeah, yeah. shout out to like not liking that Wiimote. 
Shout out. Never getting over it. <laughs> All right, Rory Sublet, congratulations. You just won the vinyl soundtrack to Muppets Christmas Carol from I'm 8-Bit. Way to go. Now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. Hey, everybody. Uh, get a lot of this. I feel like I'm bringing up this podcast all the damn time, but I learn a lot from it. Um, the Game Maker's Notebook. Austin Winery had an interview with the one, the only Grant Kirkhope, composer of Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, ton of other things, the outro theme to this podcast. Um, but they were talking about Goldeneye, and I'd never heard this before, but Grant Kirkhope explained that, you know, Goldeneye sold 10 million copies. For every cartridge sold... The team at Rare uh, got to split 17 cents. There's a 17 cents cartridge royalty for every unit sold of Goldeneye. So they split that amongst all of Rare, right? Mm. However, there was a 50 cents per cartridge royalty for Monty Norman, who is the composer of the original Bond theme. But because Mm. they used that music, Monty Norman made... Way more than double the amount of royalty for every cartridge sold for Goldeneye, which is just a great Weird. slap in the face to all the developers over there at Rare. I got uh, one here. This was I just saw this on Reddit. I'll share the Reddit link below. But you guys know about the ship of Theseus, right? The, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone, it's this, twi- I guess it's this Twitter account shared at Depths of Wikipedia, and they, they noted that the ship of Theseus Wikipedia article has been edited 1,792 times since it was created in July of 2003. <laughs> At present, 0% of the phrases in the original yes. article came below remain. Mm. I love that's it. That's just fun. That that's just fun, fun that's internet nice. stuff. Can you quickly explain what that ship is, in case people listening might not know? Yeah, the, the ship... I mean, maybe you guys can help me with this, because I don't really know a lot about it either but it's like the ship of theseus was is in a museum and then it's like a sort of thought experiment of like if if over decades and decades if you replace every single element of that ship um you know piece by piece to make sure it remains is it still the ship of theseus once every little piece right. of it has been sort of switched so to speak that's um, it. and I, there's not really an answer to that question it's just it makes you go huh yeah that's it interesting good stuff uh, uh, get a load, load of this. this. Oh, man. Oh, two at the same time? It's unheard so of. We've got to oh get a load God, of this duel, y'all. Get a load of this duel. You both have to say <laughs> it at the same time. Say it at the same time. Gosh, this definitely has been a long podcast because <laughs> Ben has completely unraveled. Um, I- I'll go first if that's cool with you, Jeff. I'm just yeah. Saying. Knock it all out. Um, Gillow, this, it's uh, Steam Next Fest right now, which I am playing almost none of the demos because I'm too busy. But I did end up checking out um, one game that has a demo called Rusty's Retirement. Um, This is from the person that made this Metroidvania called Haiku Robot, uh, which was pretty rad. This is a totally different game, though. Um, It's just like a little idle game, but I think it's it's pretty chill. Wanted to give it a shout out. It's, um, you play it and it's like takes up like a maybe like one fifth of like your monitor screen, like, and you can kind of change the size. And it's just like a little guy, presumably named Rusty, like planting seeds, watering plants. And that kind of just happens in the background of all your other work. Like it's meant to be, you know, it's an idle game. So it's meant to be like, you set it and forget it. You come back and kind of see the little progress made. And um, it's just a nice, quaint kind of different avenue for uh, gaming and kind of integrating, I think, gaming into like your regular like workflow and things. So yeah, something that you might want to check out or just kind of idle games in general. And what's the name of it again? It's called Rusty's Retirement. Love it. I love it. Nice. Nice. Uh, get a load of this. this is... Get a load of this. Nice. Uh, this <laughs> is 
a YouTube video from John Romero. Um, and it's John Romero plays myhouse.wad. Um, and I feel bad because last year we had that whole stupid art debate where we said that giant commercial ball was second greatest piece of art. And I didn't know that my house existed or came out um, that year. But had I known, it obviously would have uh, qualified for that category because someone made this this wad for Doom, which is which is basically like a custom level that you build. Mm. Um, but he, it was like a decade in the making. He made up this big backstory about how he found this. He went to a funeral for his friend, and he found this old, uh, you know, custom level that this person was making. And like a lot of Doom, like custom Doom maps that people made. It was based on his house. And so he put it together and he decided to finish it for his friend. Um, and and it, beca- it totally blew up last year and became this thing because it's, it's obviously much more than that. Um, and it is one of the most impressive Doom levels ever made. And so John Romero played through it because his fans told him he should play it. So you, can, you get a taste of it from his playthrough and you can kind of see all of his surprise as he saw these things. He also brings in like that amazing developer perspective of like, he'll look at it and he'll be like, I don't know. Like that area is interesting because you have like two windows on the outside of the house over another two windows and you can see stuff in both of them. But in doom, you can't program part of a level above another part of a level. And so there's like a lot of really behind the scenes magic that he talks about um, as you go through it, but then after you watch that video, you should, you should look up other ones that kind of give you f- a full explanation and kind of this very in-depth look at this crazy uh, Doom space that's kind of built on the concept of liminal spaces, which is another like internet meme kind of yeah. creepy vibes kind of thing. Um, and it's it was a whole journey that I went on, uh, and you can go on it with John Romero. Fun video. Links below. Uh, did you pull one from the community channel? I did get a load of this. Uh, this is from Mike Lynch uh, talk, and it's a clip of John Oliver talking about the history of mm. Chuck E. Cheese, and it's very good. He's Mike Lynch says he should get an Emmy for it, um, and it's you know classic John Oliver. Yeah, but it's Chuck no Lim- Cheese. It, There's some fun Nolan Bushnell of- stuff in there, like the founder of Atari, because he also founded Chuck E. Cheese. And it's if you like Atari's yeah. history, you'll get a kick out of it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for this episode of the Min Max Show, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. My voice is just about gone, but that's how you know it's a good episode. Uh, let's see. Things to plug. First and foremost, number one, uh, Bonus Pod, the Patreon-exclusive podcast every single Monday. Haley McLean's been hosting it for a couple weeks now and truly crushing it. Um, I listened to this latest episode, and I thought, oh, this is better than the main show. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I guess that's a good problem to have if the, our Patreon-exclusive podcast is so good. Uh, she had uh, Sarah Podzorski on this week, and the two of them, they unpacked Sarah's obsession with role-playing GTA V, but then they also talked about their first video game crushes. Apparently, Sarah really wanted to talk about it, and it was a 40-minute conversation, and it is unhinged. Um, <laughs> Haley McLean has a pick for her crush that I promise you could not guess. Um, it is <laughs> truly unexpected for a big crush. It has lit the Discord up all week. So, again, if you support us at that five dollar tier, not only you're supporting independent games media, but you're unlocking bonus pod right in your favorite podcast app each and every week with cohorts rotating through. Haley doing a good job hosting every single week. It truly is the companion show to this podcast, and you can check it out there. Uh, for all you people out there saying, "Where's Sarah? Why isn't she on the podcast more?" 
check out the bonus pod. Uh, it's a lot of fun Sarah stuff on there. Um, and again, uh, if you unlock that podcast feed, that's also where the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake is and the upcoming deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, the best and most thorough discussion about those games on the internet. They are in that bonus podcast feed, so it's a great time to jump in there. And if you jump in at any tier, remember you can call in to our Final Fantasy VII call-in show, which is happening this Monday. It'll be happening through the Discord, but it's a piece of cake. Let us know if you have any questions about how it works. Also, on our YouTube channel, we have um, a full Let's Play of that new Silent Hill game. Silent Hill, the short message. Haley and Sarah played through that whole thing, and it's fun to to watch them uh, scream their way through it. Um, also, if you're not Final Fantasy VII out, there is a highlight reel of the best moments from the deepest dive on uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, Charles Hart, uh, who's helping us out as an editor here at uh, MinMax, and he's an associate editor over at Game Informer as well, um, he cut together this highlight reel that's fun to kind of get you back in the mood if you just want an abbreviated take on that that's on MinMax's YouTube channel. But hey, I think that might be it for this episode, everybody. Feeling good? That was a fun one. That was a yeah. fun one. Oh, that was great. We packed in so much stuff. Uh, thank you to everybody at the Game Champion tier. You can choose any game under the sun. We'll declare you the champion of it. You'll be in the description for every MinMax video as well. Shout out to Bo Bakken who's the champion of Mario Paint. Love it. Uh, Trampoline Tales is the champion of Luck Be a Landlord. Michael Berry is the champion of Point Blank 2. And Tomba, Tomba, everybody, its official champion is Backlog Busters. Of course, I love some Tomba love. Uh, Speaking of, that's a weird sentence. Speaking of game champions, we do have the game championship. PT won that poll. Uh, we're going to be making content about that soon. We've had some twists and pivots and stuff, uh, but we're planning on getting to that very soon. So uh, thanks to everybody uh, who chose PT in that last poll for all these game championship picks. I think that's it, everybody. Thank you, especially everybody at the Backstage Past here for jumping in and being good sports, for being on screen for the first time for the YouTube version of this show. But we had a short episode last week, so thanks everybody for sticking with us for a long episode this time. And hey, I think we all have to say it together. Here we go, everybody. Thanks so much. Be good. good. Have, have fun. fun. Let's, Let's go. go. Hang on. Janet didn't say anything. Is she muted? Sorry, I was oh, muted, muted. Yeah. Okay, okay. I said it. Sorry, now you have I to say it. Post. Sorry, Janet has to do it solo. Sorry. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.